This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. You ready to go? Yep. All right, guys. Welcome to the Full Blast Podcast. I'm Jeff Fader, and I'm so excited that my buddy, Julia Sexton, the only food writer worth a damn, is in the house. <laughs> but before we get to Julia, we've got to do a little bit of show notes, a little bit of ad reads. You know how it is. Number one, I want to thank Broadbeck Ironworks, the makers of the 2x72 grinder, a grinder that I love. I've been using it for quite a while. I've known these guys for a while. We actually had them on a couple uh, episodes ago. Definitely worth a listen. Their story, Ryan and Vince's story is amazing, and they make a great product. This is an awesome 2x72 grinder made by a grinder made by engineers, mechanical engineers and knife makers knowing what knife makers need and not to mention knife makers, but metal workers, woodworkers. It's a very versatile machine. It goes horizontal, vertical. They have attachments that are very user-friendly, and if you don't have a broadback chassis, you can use their uh, attachments on your other grinders as long as you have the right arm attachment, but it's also very easy to figure out. So if you go to broadbackironworks.com and you can use Knife Talk 200, we'll give you a $200 discount off some of the grinder packages. Knife Talk 100 will give you a $100 gift certificate off some of the sharpening systems in the surface belt grinder, the leather sewing machines. It's a great product. They make great um they make great stuff, and you should definitely get yourself some of that Broadback Ironworks. I know they had a wonderful sale for Black Friday, and you guys did a great job. You have stuck up for me, ladies and germs, and I appreciate that. So Broadback Ironworks, I appreciate your support. I'm looking forward to the future with you guys, onward and upward. Next is my friends at Evenheat have sponsored the show. Evenheat is, this, is the manufacturers of the finest heat treat oven available. Period. End of sentence. I've known Spence and the family for quite a long time. They are extraordinary family making uh, heat treating ovens in uh, Michigan and they're great guys and the you can say, you say to me well what do you need a heat treat oven for well if you're a tool maker or you're a knife maker you're gonna have to harden your your, your steel you're gonna have to harden your hammers or your knives or your tools or maybe your maybe you make a power maybe you need some power hammer dies you need to harden them so go get yourself a heat treat oven and they are the best and if you go to evenheat-kiln.com you can see what they have if you want to make swords if you want to make hammers if you want to make pottery if you're a, if you're a potter if you need glazing done if you need pottery done get yourself an even heat and don't fool around. And if you go to Knife Talk, they have discounts on, uh, really good discounts on how you can get uh, a little bit more out of shipping and handling. Uh, but they have it over there. You got to listen to that show. There you go. But uh, once again, Even Heat's great. I love, I love those guys. I spent a lot of time with Spence and his family. And anytime I've ever had a problem, the, everyone I call is always knowledgeable there. They're super helpful. They're, they're get to the point. The customer service is out of control, and it's an American company making American products for you, the tool maker, knife maker. You know what I'm saying. So evenheat-kiln.com. Next is Axe Wax. Axe Wax, all natural food safe wax for your axe, for your hammers, for your wood, for your stainless, for your carbon. I use it for G10. I use it for wood. I love Axe Wax, and I love the fact that it is uh, it is food safe, so I don't have to worry about anything icky going on my knives. You know what I'm saying? And if you go to axewax.us, put in promo code FULLBLAST10, you're going to get 10% off your order. If you're in the UK, UK Knife Supplies is taking FULLBLAST10. If you're in the EU, KnifeMaterial.at, that's Keith Colby. He's taking FULLBLAST10. 
Gamaco in Australia, they're taking Full Blast 10. NordicEdge.com.au is also taking Full Blast 10 if you're in Australia. Many thanks to Axwax. I love these guys. I love this stuff. I, I, I know that some people put it in their hair. I know that some people put it on their lips. I know <laughs> some people use a lip balm, put it on their leather. I don't think they want you to do it, but they you can. No one's no one's died yet. <laughs> so axwax.us, put in promo code FULLBLAST10, okay? Next is Total Boat. Total Boat makes uh, adhesives, paints, primers, polishing compounds. I just used some of the UV epoxy, uh, the, UV, the UV cure. I love it. I used it on a knife that went out with, uh, I had a slight, slight little crack. Not a crack, but it was like a crevice, tiny crevice. Well, it's like a hairline crevice. And I needed to fill it up, and I used some of that uh, UV UV uh, that UV cure, and I hit it with the uh, the uh, UV flashlight, and it got hard as a rock. It filled the space, filled the void. It was perfect. And if you go to totalboat.com, you put in promo code FULLBLAST10, you're going to get 10% off all your stuff. And what kind of stuff can you get? You have the two-part epoxies. They have uh, resins and two-part epoxies. They have two-part epoxies. Julia, I have a friend who found a mummified gopher. Named oh, Jimmy yeah? Duresta. He's a big maker. Huge. He's the biggest maker in the maker community. He made a, a box and he filled it with some of that two-part epoxy, stuck in the, the mummified gopher, filled the rest of it with two-part epoxy, and he's got a a totem, I guess. Is Iceman cometh, <laughs> but so is a groundhog cometh. It's it's weird, it but it works. It worked out great. I mean, if that's what you like, if you like putting your dead animals in in clear epoxy. Dave, Damien Hurst already did that. You know, Damien. That. Listen, if you want to be <laughs> Damien Hurst number th- Damien Hurst Junior, get yourself some of that total boat and shove all your dead animals in there, and you'll have some <laughs> something to, to speak about. Make some sculpture here. You got it. <laughs> so go get some of that thick part, sit thick set epoxy. Get some of any of their epoxy, and if you go to totalboat.com, put in promo code full blast ten, you're going to get ten percent off. Keith Decent, Derek from Malden, Keith Johnson, Keith Mitchell, every Keith in the maker community—they're all using Total Boat. You should too. Totalboat.com and ten percent off with uh, full blast ten. So get yourself some. If it's good enough for guys fixing their boats who are on the water and they depend on staying afloat, <laughs> then it's good enough for you. Period. Okay? Next is Maritime Knife Supply. Maritime Knife Supply are uh, the, they have all your knife making needs belts, abrasives, steels, kilns, forges, presses, heat treating ovens, anvils, anything you need to get started or resupplied, including axe wax, including uh, books, knife making books like uh, uh, Laren Thomas's must have book knife engineering. They have steels. He, every time I say something, Every time I say something he may not have, he'll send me a message telling me, oh, I have that, like a knife brooch, or, or I have a Rockwell chisels from Matt Parkinson, or I have... He got it all, and he is the Canadian distributor to Broadbeck Ironworks. We're all in this together, ladies and gentlemen. We're all in this together. So if you go to maritimeknifesupply.ca, you can get whatever you want. And you say, listen, I'm in Tennessee. What do I want to get something from Canada for? Well, the, you can fool around with the Canadian dollar uh, exchange. It works out for you, and the shipping is exactly the same, and it's just as fast. I don't know how it gets everything through customs, but that's not my problem. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's going to come as fast as anything else, and there, he's a great guy. Sponsors most of the Maker, com- Maker Community podcasts. He has a, uh, I think it's over. I've got to believe it's over, but he's got a sponsorship 
with not a sponsorship, he's a scholarship with the New England School of Metalwork. You should check on his link tree. And if you want, if you don't have the dough to go to the New York New York New England School of Metalwork, he's got a scholarship program that he's doing. I'm not 100 percent sure if it's over, but you should check out his link tree on his Instagram profile and see. And maybe you can get some uh, transportation, housing, the classes, whatever. He's a Lawrence is all in it for the maker community, so go get yourself some of that maritime knife supply and support that bold boy because he's doing a nice job. And then last but not least, I want to say this. A Trojan Horse Forge, my friends at Trojan Horse Forge, make the stable rail knife finishing vice. It is built in the heart of Texas. It's an awesome knife finishing vice, and I just got a message from them saying that they have vices in stock. They have vices in stock, so go get yourself... The best knife finishing vice around. I know what you're saying. I don't need a knife finishing vice, but you don't understand. You can use it for hand sanding your blades. You can use it for your handles, whatever it takes. Go to TrojanHorseForge.com. Get yourself one of them knife finishing vices. I got two. I love it. I love them all. I love them both. I can use one on my right hand, one on my left hand, and I'm, I'm making it happen. So go get yourself some of that Trojan Horse Forge. They have them avail- available. And if you're saying, I don't have all the money. I made all this money making knives for Christmas. But the problem is I can't lump it all out. They have payment programs. So go get yourself one of the best decisions you're going to make in the, in the knife game. It's TrojanHorseForge.com. Okay? I cannot thank enough. I've been waiting for this again. This is the return of my friend. I have been dealing with food writers recently. Oh, really? None of them are worth a damn. None of them hold a candle to my next guest, Julia Sexton, the only food writer worth a damn that I have met. You are super kind. Julia Sexton, what's going on? Nothing much. You You are the editor of all the edible... (laughs) <laughs> edible Hudson Valley, Edible Brooklyn, Edible Westchester. You're the editor-in-chief of all these magazines. Uh-huh. Do you get to do any writing anymore? I do. Uh, and it's actually sort of what I prefer to do. <laughs> I know. Um, you know, I could sit there and polish other people's work, and that's fine and sort of what I'm paid for. But I'd much rather do the story myself. I One thing about your writing is you have figured out ways in which to paint the picture <laughs> you paint the picture you always have the, the you the article you did for me uh, of, of about me was still the best goddamn article i've ever i've had about me even just even a hair that was so much fun we have to do that again that was a lot of fun look i have to tell you i'm very disappointed in food journalism and the food rags have been reaching <laughs> out to me and i bitch to you normally yeah one of the things that i've had you on before we had a good time one of the things is i love kibitzing with julia sex and she is she's always i know you're not going to spill all the beans like no nah, i can't do, which is fine they're which secrets. is fine <laughs> which is fine it's better off being a little always be a little bit secretive it's 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 you know, keep the mystery alive. <laughs> but one of the things that I'm, I, I've been dealing with, and every time I get an art, and I'm not trying to humble brag and say I get all the, you know, we we made fun of, uh, I made fun of uh, one of our, one of your competitors, who spelled my name wrong one year, <laughs> didn't fa- fact check the whole thing, and I, uh, all right, so this that was we're some not gonna, sloppy work. <laughs> we're not going to say the name of this magazine. There's a magazine in the area, and they they wrote. They they didn't they had written about me once and then they started kind of just I think I believe they took your article and then just kind of cut and pasted uh, part of it and put it in theirs. It happens a lot. It's really painful. Well, the problem was was 
I had it said that I had these knives that I didn't have available for Christmas. Oops. It took pictures and they just superimposed them on top of each other like I had like a deck of cards, which I didn't. Uh. And then they referred to me as George Fader. <laughs> that is the best part. <laughs> That's the best part, but it was so annoying. And I, I know. And the problem is, is because I wake up at four o'clock in the morning and I'm just like, that probably is the wrong time to send an email. <laughs> I sent an email to the editor. Uh-oh. And... Or the guy. And you got to send that let, to me. <laughs> just to let you... I, it was years ago. This is years ago. I know. This was years ago. And I sent the letter and I said, look, the least you could do was send me a call. My name isn't George just because it's G-E-O-F-F. Yeah. They don't have to go fucking straight to George, right? <laughs> and then... I wrote, this is wrong. I don't have any of these knives available. This isn't even the knife I have available. You're just making it. And I wasn't like, I don't know how it came across. It could have come across a little bit brusque. That's Julia. okay. I mean, look, it's their goof. You know, you get to be irate about it. And, and uh, it's it comes down to marketing. I mean, if they got your name wrong, you're not going to be searched. Well, what ended up happening was I went on my podcast, Full Blast, uh, uh, Knife Talk. And I said that there, I said something along the lines that their magazine wasn't, is a, I, I think I referred to it as fit for White Plains dental, dentist's office <laughs> and the bottom of parrot cages. Ouch. And that was it. No more, any, no more messages from them. I, you know what? I was, I was pissed. It was like fucking Christmas and they, George Fader's got something he doesn't have. And it was yeah. like. You know, but I did you I ever liked, get a response and did they change yeah, it on they digital? Were, the response from whoever I wrote it to was very uh, terse. It was along terse, the lines of you should really? be happy that I said your name at all. <gasps> it's really kind of around, around, and this is years ago. We're talking five years ago. But this magazine and I were I would okay. Be, like abjectly horrified and I would crawl on my belly. Oh, it's funny. I mean, ultimately, it becomes. I mean, you—if you were the magazine editor, oh, this this person was like, you know, I should be kissing his ass oh, for even putting my, my you know, putting my name in this thing. But at the same time, it was—it's fine. It's fine. The the last time they had me in their magazine, I won an award, and in the magazine, mm-hmm. my little blurb was under a pedicure, a foot. There was this. <laughs> there was this toenail painted foot, and it was so. I find feet to be gross yeah. in general. Like I don't. I think that they're like meant to be covered up. I just. And it's not like I just. I, so like, <laughs> opening it up, and then there's this big ass foot that's like all toenail polish and just high heel, and then there's fader knives underneath, which made no sense. I was just like. <sighs> I wrote for for a publication that above my work always had an ad for like one of those adult superstores. Nice, and it always cracked me the hell up. It, but there's there's I think that there's I think that what's interesting is is there's so many people who still think that because magazines are meant to be proofread that yeah. they know what they're doing, but these are just a bunch of jerk offs like anybody else well, just trying to like make a deadline. We do, we do have, you know, copy editors and, you know, editors who scan over things. And, but seriously, things slip by sometimes. Oh, but that's fine. Well, and what, that, but you're usually mortified when it does. I mean, and apologetic. 
no, this guy was like, I should be happy. I should be happy. And I was like, all right, I'm not mad about this. You know, it's not like my business is, my business is a little bit more internet based. So it's, mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about the local part, but it was funny. It was funny that like, I don't know, ultimately when I look back at it, I, that, that's the stuff that makes me laugh. But recently, and I'm just out of curiosity, see what you think. Uh-huh. I, uh, I recently been doing these pieces that I hate doing, which is, uh, knife care. I get messages from knife about knife care. So I got a message from... And these are just sort of civilians? Well, I, no. I'll tell you. I'll, I'll explain it to you and you tell me if this was right. So Self Magazine a couple years ago said, we want to do a pro, We want to do a knife about what kind of knives you should buy and stuff like that. It had nothing to do with my business. It was just like, I'm a knife expert or yeah, whatever. Yeah, you did that wonderful Epicurious video. Uh, wonderful. We're going to talk about that too just because I'm, I'm interested in your opinion on the writing part of it. Okay. So then I got a I got a call from uh, I I did another kind of knife expert thing from Food and Wine from this other writer I really really like very much. She called me up. We had a long conversation. But she's not Actually, as good as I am. I said you're the be- I said you're the only one worth <laughs> okay, a damn. Just, she I was just, great. I, I needed that clarified. Thank she would. She's great, but she ain't worth. She's still not <laughs> as worth a damn as you are. And actually, she called me for an interview on January sixth, right during the insurrection. Oh god. And we kind of like couldn't really talk about like knife tips when it was like what's you know the capital like, is falling yeah i mean there's like some real shit happening and i'm like yeah you know what the difference between carbon steel is who cares the world is about to end right now right so then recently i got a message and this is where it comes in is so 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 this last person food and wine did a nice job it was really kind of like you know at, you know apples and oranges it wasn't really did anything to do with fader knives but it was like fine so i got a call from um savoir magazine which is my favorite magazine of all time besides yours Mm-hmm. From a kid, I don't like you know Savor. I mean, come on. Yeah. So they wanted me to do a piece. They wanted to ask write a piece on electric sharpeners, which is oh my god, that's funny. The bane of my existence. Well, yeah. So what did you say? Well, here's the thing. So I'm like, oh fuck. I said I've only I've always wanted to be in Savor forever, right. and they're calling me up on tips to on buying electric sharpeners, and I was like. Well, then they said, well, here's how we do it. We will send you questions, and then you write out the answers. Write them? Okay, good. You're, you're surprised. Yeah, because this we is don't, a brand... We don't, we don't send questionnaires, or I personally don't. I I always follow up with a, with a call, because people, you know, you're expecting a knife maker to write. Right. Well, here's the thing. So, Savord, I ha- I ended up writing like a fucking thesis. Of course. Because it's like, the question is like, how do you make a knife? How do you get, I mean, it was like, well, I it's an elaborate process. I mean, it was just like, oh my God. And I was literally up two nights all night, right? Because you want to write the right things and you want to write know. it with, I, you can't. And you're you not also a writer. Just, I am a writer. This is, that's when I'm going to hit you up at the end. I went, <gasps> to call, I went to Kenyon College. Oh, that's true. But you didn't take uh, Foster Wallace's classes. Well, he, you know, I mean, God, R.I.P. I don't know what to say. <laughs> you know, well, here's the here's the thing. It's like I lived with writers, so I feel like I had just I'm living sure, I'm, with I'm writers. Sure, I'm sure you're a great writer. I am because I, you're, well, very, you're, you're now, very verbal. Listen, you're being nice. I'm going to hit you up in the bit. I'm not really end. a nice person. You are very You're my favorite. You're my favorite writer worth a damn, and I, <laughs> I think it's great. So, so I had to write all the answers down. Yeah. So, like. But also be descriptive, and because you just don't want to do like yes, you know. I, I want to like I want to be in the article and Savor. Right. 
So then it was like, oh, you know, she's just cop- copied and cut and pasted and stuff like that. And I was just like, this is what I got to fucking do. And, and I this thought is to myself, was, this is after uh, Severe stopped being in print, right? So was it just digital? This was within the past, I'd say, five months. Oh, okay. Yeah, they no longer have a print magazine. They're strictly digital. Well, it doesn't. I mean, they still. It's still nice, mm-hmm. you know. Oh yeah. And I had to like dig deep and say why. And then I was just like, why I hate electric sharpeners and we talked about that for a while yeah and there was no follow-up conversation it was just like thanks very much and then you know and then it came out i guess and were you then, happy with it i mean i don't like electric sharpeners are fucking terrible and yeah. it's it stems from the concept that most people don't know what they're doing anyway and that there's this i have this whole opinion on Information has been lost. It's like food in uh, the United States is not is indigenous to uh, the indigenous food. In the United States is is arguably from uh, of New Orleans Cajun food, and the idea of food being passed on for generations lost was lost. And then that information being lost is the reason why the Food Network has been so popular because you have this resurgence of people actually trying to learn how to cook and stuff. Right, because like generational uh, transference of the stuff didn't happen. Right. And right. supermarkets changed the way people buy stuff. And then there's just all this like there's almost like this well, and, sociological and the, amnesia almost. Yeah, there was this big movement in the 20th century to get out of the kitchen and modernize everything. And, right. You know, everything should be canned or frozen. And so we lost a lot of the regular the, the food ways that, you know, people used for hundreds of years. Right. So now when you when you I remember you probably remember, too, when. Emeril Lagasse was on a show and he said, I'm going to put in garlic. Everyone thought it was like, I mean, it was like a magician. It was like, oh, (laughs) you're kidding me. You're kidding me. And it's the same thing with, with, it's the same thing with knife sharpening. It's like people don't have any idea, like even to this day about different types of steels and what kind of knives you should be buying and stuff like that. And it's, and so so that, that actually happened to me, by the way, my father had all of these Arkansas stones and oils, and he made sure that my knives were sharp all the time and he never taught me how to do it. And so then then he died and now I don't know how to sharpen a knife. So I actually take them to a person. That's probably, but that's a good idea. But, but the you problem should teach is, is me most, how to sharpen a knife. I, you can come up here anytime. I'll, I'll, I'll bring all. I'll bring all my weird stones and stuff. Fine. It's it's not hard. He, see, I tried to explain that too. And and what I was trying to do wasn't just saying buy electric sharpeners because mm-hmm. electric sharpeners are bad because every single knife has a different edge right. geometry and so every user putting, has a different preference. Well, even as you sharpen a knife down, you've seen those guys in butcher <gasps> shops who have the knives that turn into toothpicks. Oh, when that's, you, so that's why that's what I'm afraid of. That's well, why I won't use that, an electric ni- uh, sharpener. It'll change the geometry of the edge oh, based absolutely. on the, 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 the triangle from the spine sure, you to can't, the edge. It won't rock. So it's like these guys are shoving anything, these things through these electric sharpeners and they're just destroying it. So I had a whole, it was a giant, it was a giant ordeal writing a goddamn thing. <laughs> And then, and then two weeks ago, I got a mess, another message from Food and Wine, a different person from Food and Wine, and they asked for the same goddamn article. So I had to write, and then they they sent me questions to answer. Yeah. <laughs> What's what? How do you make a knife? And yeah. I actually, I had to write to them. I'm like, you got to be kidding. You cannot expect me to answer this in anything <laughs> less than a book. Yeah. My so, husband, who is who is a historian, once got a call from a paper, uh, and the the journalist's question was so. Is this the best house you ever saw? 
<laughs> but <laughs> he's like an architectural historian. He's like, I don't really think like that. <laughs> but but here's the question: as a food writer, as mm-hmm. an editor, what the fuck is going on with what, how is writing now this thing where they're gonna we're gonna figure out an idea? We're gonna do a t- we're gonna re- as Tony, my business partner, says they're just gonna rehash the same article. He said like, you might as well just send them the exact same questions you sent yeah. the other one. Well, I think, you know, every season uh, there are these, uh, you know, the barbecuing season. Everybody has some sort of take on barbecuing. Every time the uh, holidays comes up, it's, you know, it's how to sharpen your knife or, you know, because you have to understand these are people who don't cook for, you know, 10 months out of the year. And suddenly they have dull knives and they don't know what a root vegetable is. So uh, a lot of cooking magazines have to really go back to basics and and have the same stories, you know, just to clue people in on how to fu- cook the fundamentals, you know, how to, right. how, how to cut an onion, you know. It's it's surprising to me because I would think I mean, when I, I loved food, food writing, uh, food books, like mm-hmm. book like travel and food books. Yep. And I would think that magazines would f- try to focus on these, creating these elaborate. I mean, that's why I love your writing so much. When you're, especially the the when you were writing in Montreal with um, with our friend David Kabari, yeah. you creating you know you're creating this elaborate painting of what's happening. And hopefully, I would think that that would kind of get people into here's how you sharpen a knife. Yeah, uh, it's it's hard to teach people how to sharpen a knife. Uh, that's a tough thing. Um, but I don't know that I think that would be great video content. I mean, if we're talking about oh, a digital man. a digital magazine, I mean that would I would love to see you do that. Well, here's you know, like, here's the here's, here's the steel. Problem. Here's here's you know how to how to hone your knife, and rather than running it through this electric grinder. Well, here's the problem. Here, I'll tell you a couple problems. And a couple problems I had when I when I did the Epicurious video, I wrote that. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, is like this food and wine thing, they're not going to say written by Jeff. I mean, I wrote elaborately. Oh. And then, you know, not that I need my name on it, but I'm like, I did all the heavy lifting. And then when I did the Epicurious video, I wrote the whole thing because I didn't want to look like a douchebag. Oh, you were there. so good in that. I hated it. You can see, you if you watch it. it, I hated doing it. I hated oh. doing it to the point where... At, we had seven hours to film it, and we I got everything. We got every. I wrote the whole thing. I knew what we needed to do. They had to do cuts and none of this yeah. and that and the other thing. I knew all the knives. I pick, picked out all the knives and stuff. I fa- I had to source all the knives. I, I thought do it was everything. great. I needed to get out of there so bad. We got there. We finished filming with an hour to spare, and I in about half an hour before we're done, I, I yelled over behind the scene to Tony. I said, "Tony, you got to get me out of here." <laughs> I cannot do this. And I don't want, I'm not interested. And the reason why is because I also don't want the criticism. Because if you watch any of these Food Network videos mm. or the worst of the worst in terms of honing the steel is, is goddamn Gordon Ramsay. <sighs> he does this move that I liken to like some desperate cricket trying to attract a mate. <laughs> it's, Scrub, it's, scrubbing it back and forth on the blade. <laughs> Uh, he's like it's the the whole idea but and i was trying to explain that in both these articles which they'll never you know put in which is you know you're using this the steel the the steel or the hone is different than the cutting it when you're when you're removing material Mm -hmm. you're establishing an apex and then there's a wire edge at the front right 
what you're trying to do is you're trying to keep that wire edge would help, which helps cut your food. So when you're cleaning your knife and sometimes there'll be like a little something will catch on your rag, mm-hmm. that's part of the burr that you want. Right. So you gotta establish a new burr, but then what the what the the steel or the hone is doing is it's aligning that wire edge to go forward. So you're not just going like Tom and Jerry at Thanksgiving where it's like, you know, the barber of Seville. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? He's like playing a violin. You're feeling where that wire edge is and then you're moving the knife on the steel to straighten that burr over. Right. You can't do that in a video. You know, you That's can't. True. It's hard to do. It's it's, And then you miss you things. Do it. Then... You could maybe do it with like uh, a couple of still images um, intercut in there, like what a rolled edge would look like, you know, and then... The problem is, is these people, it's so, all of it is very, if you break it down, it's very easy, but they don't want it broken down. They don't want it broken down. They, they, I don't know what people want. Well, you and, might have been dealing with um, commerce editing. So were they trying to, when that article appeared, uh, did it appear next to, uh, spe- were they marketing specific electric knife sharpeners they were trying to see what you should be looking for in buying a sharpener what's sharpening whetstones and and i was trying to explain the difference between mm-hmm. using a whetstone and using a you know a hone i had it was like it the questions were so basic yeah but they had to be broken down in a way that it was correct and it was and once it's correct it's a little easier to understand a harder knife is going to be harder to sharpen. Or if you don't sharpen it very often, it's going to take a long time to sharpen it right. because you've let it go till it's like blunt. And then all of a sudden now the work, you have more work you have to do. And it's the whole thing is it was a pain in the ass. You know, my big horror of this is uh, there's a knife grinding guy who comes to our local um, farmer's market and he right. takes off so much metal. Yeah. I will not give this guy my knife if or he, any of he, my knives. Anyone who has a business where gr- knife grinding is in the in, yeah. is in the word you want to stay away the fuck away from him because knife grinding yeah. is he's going to take a lot of material off you yeah. don't and usually, he also does lawnmowers too so uh, i mean you got to stay away from the guys who do both you know and knife sharpening you can do on belts but when you're using those and it's you can do it electrically but there has to be these things involved one is is like my electric sharpener is a tormek that has as water fed so number one is it it's a it's a rotating stone that you can change the i'm not doing an ad for these guys but it's, mm-hmm. it's you can do it you can make it coarse or make it fine and then the water is constantly flowing so you're not overheating the blade and then you also create this pumice when that's part of knife sharpening, so it's like a slurry. When you grind with it, when you oil stones suck, water stones are the best. Because what you're doing <clears> is you're also you when you're when you're when you're starting to use the water, the 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 steel is coming off, and then the the stone is kind of starting to kind of pulverize. Yeah. When you create that slurry, that's almost kind of polishing the edge too oh, that is so, so cool i didn't know that yeah it's good it's good water water and you know when we hand sand our knives um i like i like to have a little bit of uh, you know either oil if it, we're using this or you know wd-40 or mm-hmm. windex and you're creating this pumice and the pumice acts as like a finer abrasive so that's what you want so when these guys start going with the fucking grinders you got a problem. I mean, you're gonna you can make you a, make you a, a razor, a saw. Yeah, and it and it um, they will never work again. You know, they don't rock. It's tough. It, you know, and then you also get into knives that are tough, like something with a very very straight 
edge, like a uh, like you know, it's a Japanese. flat edge. I all my edges, I like a, a radius because it actually is easier to sharpen. Because if you start to put a if you put like a, di- a ditch in the the sharp edge, you know, the edge that's like if it's an edge, it's like super sharp. Like a, you could put a like a flat, like a Nikiri or any of these things, or you could put like a you know, you could put it down. and There's no daylight. If you start to kind of wallow out the inside, it's impossible to get out. So. I try to stay away from doing anything with that straight, straight edge. Hmm. So here's the question I really wanted to talk about. I want to talk about food writing. All right. Couple things I wanted to, because one of the things I love about your work is that I feel I feel the love and the respect of Tony Bourdain, Anthony Bourdain. I do. You know, it's such a it's been such a bummed out situation since uh, 2018, and the recent book that came out was grotesque, and you know, it's just it's this. It's a sad thing. So, if for anyone wondering, just the the, the 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 idea is Anthony Bourdain wrote Kitchen Confidential, which was a monumental book, similar to there was a little bit of Hunter S. Thompson in there, and mm. it was about the restaurant business behind the scenes, it was glorifying this kind of like degenerate <clears throat> lifestyle, and then he became obviously so famous in the food business after burning a lot of bridges after writing that book <laughs> he became super famous and wrote you know the tv show and stuff like that and then within 2018 he, he committed suicide and he was so influential i just googled before we got on how much um street art street murals yeah. uh that feature this man's face it's mind-boggling there are murals of anthony bourdain all over the world it's it, what's interesting is, is i wonder what because, you know, people identify with Hunter S. Thompson, too, but like a certain group of people, like people who just, you know, there was a certain group of people who not it wasn't Hunter S. Thompson wasn't isn't like as popular a character. No, he wasn't on, you know. But what do you TV. think it was about Anthony Bourdain that really made him as charismatic or so as influential as he was? I have to say, I think it was he had a real sort of... Um, empathy uh you know one of the most amazing things one of that he did was he celebrated the mexican cooks in the finest restaurants right in uh in the world and this was this was incredibly radical this was like the dirty secret of fine dining the dirty secret was that in the best french restaurants the best italian restaurants the the brigade were these incredibly talented, incredibly uh, accomplished Mexican cooks. And it was like a dirty secret because um, I think uh, restaurant owners and diners didn't want to know that the brigade wasn't all French or all Italian. Or white. Or white, yeah, specifically European. You know, like they didn't want to know that. Uh, but he came out there. It was really radical. It was much more radical than the don't eat fish on Monday thing. To me, calling out this, you know, hidden secret um, was amazing. And he did it in a way that really, uh, you know, pulled necessary light to their talents and their their contributions, you know. Uh, and he did it with great admiration. I think it's things like that that uh, that tony bourdain did that should linger (laughs) in in our discussion of him and not the sort of gross details of this new book however it's what it's interesting that you say that and i totally agree except for when you talk to the average person who read 
Kitchen Confidential mm-hmm. and felt and be, and uh, after reading it became a foodie because they know what what days to get sushi and stuff like that. <laughs> I don't think the major takeaway was the restaurants are being run by Mexican workers. I don't think that that was I don't think that was the major takeaway that most people had. What do you think it was? It was like that he was a badass. I think that it was the drugs and mm. the um and then the the little the little hidden t- tricks of of the restaurant game like <laughs> don't get sushi on this day don't do cuz I know I know all these or I deep, know these deep old ladies who well done say, steaks that was oh, always my favorite. I I never get sushi. Tony Bourdain said I never get to get never get sushi on a, I don't know what he said Monday or something yeah, like that. Yeah, Monday. So, but I mean like the takeaway was never when people talked about him they never said oh yeah how he he glorified you know the back kitchen. Well, but, you know, this was a fact, though. I mean, I came out of kitchens during that time, and there were a lot of drugs. Of course. There was a, a lot of hard partying, and, you know, it was rare to see cooks in their 40s. Right. <laughs> you know, because this was like, you were young, and you burnt out fast. I See, I, one of the things, I guess... I don't know. I, I, I thought that his... I loved his... I, Kitchen Confidence was a great book. It was. One of the things that is fascinating is, and you can find videos where he kind of like hints about it, is his big break was because his mother was oh, an yeah. editor Gladys. for the New York Magazine. No, she was a no, co- New York Times. copy editor at the Times, and she was friends with the new editor. She had a social connection to the new editor of the New Yorker, and she passed on her baby boy's book or uh, story. Uh, I thought it wasn't a story, but it was more like give him a chance. I, th- what- I think he had a version of it that got turned down maybe at the Times. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, but uh, she got it in The New Yorker. And I remember reading it in The New Yorker when it came out. And it, I, I was sort of blown away because, you know, this was a world that I knew. Um, and these were people that I knew. And it felt very uh, daring because prior to that... The discussion of restaurants was always from the front of the house. It was always, right. you know, about the glitz and the glamour and the, you know, elegance and all of that stuff. Uh, nobody really talked about how the sweaty people in the back are the finest gourmets in the room. <laughs> they're better than everybody else in the, you know, in the restaurant. Um, and they're sweaty and have food all over them. How do you think that – what's interesting is I always think about like cultural appropriation and stuff like that and, and in food and that's been a big issue in, in restaurant and yeah. the way food has changed over time. And I, and I just – the fact that he was so you know talking about how he, you know, the family meals would be food. Can you hear me? You there? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, that his – that how his – how interesting it was that – he would talk about the the family meals would be from you know people from Pueblo, or, yeah. You know the people in the, and and there was something about that, and I and I and I you know even though he was the chef at Leal and they were doing classic French shit, yep. That there was this love for this idea of travel, and that's probably why he got so into travel cooking. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things that I loved about his his travel host persona, and we have to be kind of careful uh talking about Bourdain because he was a very complicated person clearly right uh, but he had a real you know he had a persona his travel persona and one thing that I liked about that show is that they really did find the fixers so wherever they went they find found the people who were super clued in 
and they did these deep dives to find the story. Um, I knew somebody who actually had a, a producing credit on one of his shows from the Bronx. Hmm. Um, and this guy, you know, uh, Justin Fornell, who was at that time, he did his own sort of super Bronx uh, cooking show or a food show. And they found him. You know, they found him and he was on the show and he, you know, like they would find the person who was the most clued in. Um, and he told a particular type of travel story. This this was not about, you know, the finest hotels and the most glorious beaches and the, you know, uh, all of that stuff. He was looking for like kind of the where the locals eat um, stories, which hadn't really been done. How do you feel? Do you feel like he's create offsprung this idea of kind of culinary adventurism or I think it was probably already there, but I think what he brought was, uh, really asking people to step away from the safety, uh, of hotel dining, of four star dining, of all of that stuff. And really sort of look for the, uh, super local experience. Look for the hole in the wall, you know, sandwich guy in in Florence rather than the four star restaurant. Right. How do you think he would look at food trends, <laughs> especially in social media now? I think because he, he was part of social media. Oh yeah. Like he he was great with social media. He was part of social media. He was great with social media. I think he was. One of the things I just loved about him is that he would just talk shit about anything and anybody. I loved when he talked shit about the Food Network. I really, I ate that up with a spoon. I right. loved when he talked shit about Yelp. Um, you know, he he had, his wit was really hilarious, mean, and fast, which is, I think, something that is common among chefs. I think because they have to... They have to think on so many levels and have so many dishes and things going on at the same time. They have really quick wits and are often very funny. He had, he has a very, he had a very funny way of taking people down. Um, and I think he would have had a ball with, uh, you know, with Instagram and food porn and, you know, now TikTok. I think he would have thought it was hilarious. On the other hand, you know, He's in food media, or he was in food media, and he was, you know, on social media. So he tweet, he tweeted back to me once. It did was, he? Well, it was dumb. I was. It was for there was a UFC fight, and it was years ago, and it was Nick Diaz and Carlos Condit, and I really liked it. And I also know that his his ex wife was a yeah. was big into Brazilian jiu jitsu. I think she was the one who got him into Brazilian jiu jitsu. Uh, yeah, I think so. And I know that he was in the. I know that he was in the stands. And I was watching the fight. I was watching the fight, and I and I tweeted to him, "Hey, who do you have? Diaz? You have Condit, you have Condit or Diaz?" And he wrote to me, "Diaz all the way," or something like that. Diaz. And I was so psyched <laughs> to get because I mean, Diaz, Nick Diaz is the greatest of Stockton, California, one of the best. And it was so cool getting him to write back. Right. And he was clearly part of Twitter. He was part of oh, that yeah. kind of like, and he wrote right back to people and. Yeah. I, and, you know, I, just, I think his wife was part of Twitter. And then, uh, you know, they had this whole friend group with uh, 
the my mind is blanking le bernardin um right yeah Eric Rupert, Rupert. it was like a whole thing the ripper right yeah it was this whole thing he was definitely you know it, we have to look at this guy is a complicated character. He would mock right. things what, that he was often a part of. Yeah, I, I, it, what's interest, what interests me is how I feel like I think about food writing and food criticism a lot mm-hmm. because I think that it has changed extraordinarily. And I wonder if his influence in terms of being bombastic and one of the things i do appreciate is he always punched up oh yeah like when he, when he didn't he never felt the need to like beat some poor dope up you oh, know that's he just felt, that's just good manners i mean well you, know? <laughs> you don't want i mean yeah. you know he, one of the things is he know he knew that you know it's hard how hard the goddamn business is what does he yeah. do to beat the living breaks off of some you know mom and pop shop yeah and he went after obviously went after like guy fieri i'm not mad about it any personally but it's fine and he went after he you know he would go after you know you know, big fish. Oh, sure. Of- he went after Emeril. He went after all of the really big people. He would never really pick on somebody uh, who was struggling, I don't think. Do you believe... I believe that his meanness might have exasperated... Ha- had an influence on food criticism now. Do you think so? Um, I don't know. You know, there there have always been the hilarious takedowns in restaurant criticism um you know that is always and some of them are so funny uh who was it pete wells did the uh flavor town restaurant in times square all right donkey sauce oh my god right. it was so yeah, he beat the brakes off funny. of guy fury i'm not mad about it yeah so you know there's always been that kind of hot take uh aspect uh he just did it really well one thing I remember is I was at one of uh, I was at a restaurant I was working at a restaurant and the review came in and one of the chefs was this Indian guy who was a uh, critic it was I it was it was 2001 times? so it must have been times so it must have been um, it wasn't Bruni? Sam Sifton it was must have been Frank Bruni and he there was one dessert on the on the on the menu that it was he would candy these tangerines mm-hmm. and then put them on a, a mint panna cotta. And the, uh, the, uh, Bruni wrote, I think, I'm pretty sure it was Frank Bruni, and he wrote, you can, account, you can make this dessert at home by brushing your teeth with Toms of Maine and then drinking orange juice afterwards. <laughs> That's kind of funny. And it was funny, but it was like, it was a, they broke the, they Did beat the brakes like off. Did it toothpaste though a little bit? Of course. I mean, of course. I mean, look, if you are, if you, you've brushed your teeth and drank yeah. orange juice, you know what that's like. Yeah, I mean, it was the same, fucking same thing. That's grim. But at the same time, it was, it was embarrassing, but it was funny. Yeah, it's and, funny. But uh, and, come on, a mint panna cotta is definitely going to be toothpastey. But here's the pro- here's the problem I have with it all. It's Frank Bruni, none of these guys ever worked in kitchens. Yeah. I mean, Frank Bruni, wasn't he, was he, he was like the, uh, who he's was the, foreign, uh, he was like a foreign editor. Who was the, but somebody was the theater guy. Who is the, who was, who was the, uh, somebody was, was uh, did Wilson? the theater review. Uh, it, it wasn't Bruni. I don't one think. of one of the guys, the the uh, Frank Rich. Oh yeah. Frank Rich was ago. the, he was a, You're he was back. the food. Yeah, going back, but he was like before his 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 claim to fame was he was like a Broadway reviewer. 
So you end up having these guys who have really little connection. I mean, Ruth Rachel is the only person. Yeah, Ruth Rachel kicked ass. I mean, she cooked. Uh, but she was a real person that like went to like restaurants and like appreciated where yeah. things were coming from, as opposed to like. She also was the first uh, restaurant critic who sort of got beyond the kitchen and went to farms and sources. And right. She was the one that really opened that up. That whole you know, where is this carrot coming from? conversation that sure it maybe went a little bit too far but i think it's still it was it was important at the time but if you look at food criticism now and where they come from you have the some guy you have some people like ruth reichel who mm-hmm. really kind of dig deep and and they're you know even um uh gloria uh, uh florence fabricant someone who's yeah she's old school though she's old school and but she's into it yeah and then you get these guys who are like you know I was watching. I was watching a, uh, an interview with the three of them. These three guys, and they're talking about the places that they go in New York. And it was like I was looking at these fucking. Who guys, are these guys? Like, oh, you don't have to. It name was names. from the Times. It was like Sam Sifton and a few other people. And it was just like I was listening to this. I'm like, you, you people have never done. I mean, you guys are so. You're so. You're so. I, I just didn't <laughs> like it. But but what it brought me to was how food criticism has changed yeah, now. Yeah. To the point, I'm, I'm dying to hear your point. Uh, your idea of, of, you know, internet, like I, uh, Instagram well, and TikTok has like revolutionized yeah. food criticism. Well, the internet in general did. I mean, once we started throwing around the word review to uh, refer to comments on Yelp. I mean, th- when I first started hearing people call those Yelp comments reviews, I got really kind of... Uh, tweaked about i was upset about that and then you know like google reviews and i was talking to my chef friends who were like oh man i just got this review in on yelp like that's not a review you know reviews take days and multiple visits and are you know people's called a fact check and you know like it's it's a much bigger undertaking than somebody writing some sort of yelp screed um so, yeah, I mean, what happened is the word review became really devalued. Uh, yeah. And now we have, you know, these three minute, because I think the limit on TikTok is three minutes, uh, these three minute restaurant reviews, which are a series of images and an over voice saying, loved it, hated it, loved it, hated it. You know, um, I I look at that and I'm like, well, it's just a medium like TikTok is seriously just a medium like newspaper, like a, like a podcast. But they're um, getting, but, they, but what's killing me is that no, I have not seen anybody do a really good TikTok review. I was number of years ago. I was in Tony and I were invited to blue ribbon mm. with uh, Brian Voltaggio and his brother, Michael Voltaggio were doing it. Oh, dinner, you worked with them, was, didn't you? Uh, Mike, uh, not Michael, Brian, I worked, uh, he, when he was at Charlie Palmer, I knew oh, him right. when he was a cook. I knew him when he was a cook. So he invited us down to this, this, uh, I think it was like a Johnny Walker event and it was great, but it was interesting because they had their own, they had, and they had limited tables and stuff like that. And they had a special table just for influencers. And these were people who were going to take pictures. They were getting a free meal. Yeah. They were going to take video and pictures and Sometimes talk about the food. It's beyond just a free meal. They are getting paid. Right. Right. Well, that's the thing. And it 
and then I recently one of these, you know, there's these New York style in Instagram guys. Like there's one guy, you don't know if you know the guys. He, he says, uh, take care, brush your hair. You know that guy? No. <laughs> He's got the, he looks like, uh, he looks like Linguini from, uh, from Rat Tattoo. Oh He's my God. This, He's this Italian Guido kind of guy and he, he'll review a sandwich. He'll give, I'll give it four or five marrons. You know what I mean? And, and he, they, he's become such a huge influencer. He, they, they pay him oh, to come God, to restaurants. Oh, God, it's called Meals by Cougine. Me, yeah, Meals Cougine. by Cougine. Yeah. Meals by Cougine. And he'll go to places. He'll go all over the place. And he'll, and these are not even, these are not even, this tastes great. And, you know, bro, so take all, care, brush your hair. It's all positive. It's all positive. Yeah. And then there's the other guy, Mo Mozzarella, who Charlie had him come down to one of his new restaurants just to kind of like have him. T- he comes in and he goes, you know, uh, he puts, put you, uh, uh, nobody moves, nobody gets hurt. And he's got all these like, you know, like the old different strokes uh, lines. You know, people have these like catchphrases. Oh, he says his catchphrases and he's getting people to come into the restaurant. And it's well, bizarre. You, well, you know what you're going to get? with an influencer right like so you know you're gonna get a positive uh comments you know you're gonna have somebody say that they love your work so i mean i can understand why restaurants um are using influencer marketing because it's really inexpensive stuff yeah that you know the result i mean if you have a, a critic come in god knows you know it could it could end badly um, that, but actually, I do wish wh- people would recognize that that influencers are paid, you know, paid to do this, and this is how they make their money, and this is what they do. They say nice things about the people that hire them. <laughs> well, what's interesting is, are you there? Like that's their role. That lose you? you? Still there? Yeah, I mean, there. Can you hear me? Yeah. All right. I don't know why there was like a little whatever. Yeah. Um, one of the interesting things. Is in this is someone who is you know, relatively controversial, but has really made quite a mark for himself. Is Dave Portnoy? He does this restaurant. He does a pizza review. Uh-huh. You must have heard of it. And he does this thing called uh, One Bite. Everybody knows the rules. And he's been traveling all over the country for years, going to a restaurant or pizza place, uh-huh. and rating and rating the pizza. And his his bar and he, you think it's just like he's just saying whatever, but his bar his he has created this bar of his number scale, which which is like you know seven is like a regular pizza thing, uh-huh. and nothing special. Eight is something you'd travel for. Nine is like John's John's Pizzeria or Frank Pepe's. Yeah, and he's created this like ranking system that isn't crazy. It isn't. I mean, obviously, pizza is very you know it's it's there's. It's not cut and dry, but it's so complex. It's complex, but at the same time, he's done such an extraordinarily for years. He's been doing this, mm-hmm. and he's reviewed so many places that he's helped restaurants, especially during the pandemic. He helped pizzerias, small businesses, to the point where he helped make restaurants restaurants. That's great. I mean, you know, he is. Uh, he seems like he is also a complex character. I just googled him. Um, but you should check out his pizza reviews. It's like some of them are very like you think that he's just like a douchebag, but like some of them like though his his ranking system is not crazy. Like John's a pizzeria, Frank Pepe's, Sally's a pizza, and you know Sally's and all those you know like the highest level or you know the upper nines. And he's got like a pretty decent scoring system. It's not just is like he a friend random. of yours? No, fucking no. He's 
Barstool Sports. I got nothing to do with him. All right, because you know he's had a sex tape out leaked in 2019 and has been accused of sexual misconduct. Yeah, there was just an article. <laughs> so there was like a, there stuff was a, happened. <laughs> there's a time. There was a Times article about him recently. That, that people. One of the things that I, I'm not really. I'm not a fan, or I'm not for him or against yeah, him. I, was just I you hear these kinds of things. No, he did not. I, I, I don't. I'm just. I'm associating with the, what he did in, in terms of this food stuff. Right. And in regards to the other stuff, look, these all these guys are fucking complicated. You know, the things. The thing that really sort of chaps me, having done this, like kind of as a a serious undertaking where the publication paid for my meals where I went multiple times, you know, like this was something that was very serious. Um, one thing that kills me is who pays, you know, are, are the restaurants paying for this guy's meal? Cause I think that changes the story. Doesn't it? He claims that when he goes in, he always pays, Good, but he's become so famous in the pizzeria scene that they'll like, they actually know what he likes. So they might even change up their pizza to make it more like the stuff he likes to get a good review. Because if you get like a seven a high sevens or an eight, people are going to swarm the restaurant because he's got such a huge fan of these stoolies and all these people. Wow, that's like a thing. It's a thing. Like you, it's a it's a huge it's a huge. His pizza reviews are like probably the probably the most influential in in the United States at this point. And is he doing everything from like corner pizzas to yeah, the sort of mostly the fancier ones? Yeah, mostly. He likes to go to the dumps. He likes to go to the dumps, and then he'll buy a slice. He'll show up. He'll go outside. He says, "Okay, pizza review." He'll eat. He'll he'll only he won't buy just a slice. He'll buy the whole pie, and then he wants to know what it's like right. for the pie, and then he'll do the it on the spot. And then if somebody's watching, he'll just like you know say the review and then run away, or you know he they try to bribe him, and he try he says that he doesn't he doesn't. But at the same time, it's like it is fascinating because food review has become. There's another guy who, and it's interesting that you say uh, people go back and for, there's another guy I I like I follow. And it, it just because there's something about him. His name is Mr. Chime Time on Instagram and what he does is he'll get food from a restaurant and it's usually like you can go anywhere from like a burger place mm-hmm. to he'll go to Publix and apparently I don't know if you know this but Publix apparently has a chicken finger sandwich that's to die for <laughs> I, I don't know if you've heard about that before but there's like a fucking thing I don't have so, a Publix near me do you I know neither do I I mean when we're down when you're down south you know sometimes you go down south yeah um so apparently that's the big thing. So Mr. Chime Time will get the food. He'll sit in his car and then he'll do a review saying, "I, you know, this is this sucks or this is good." Or he'll he doesn't go back. He'll just he's eating it now, and I don't think it tastes very good. And he'll do a real review that people actually listen to. And now he's quit his job and that's what he just doing. goes. He go. That's all he's doing. Well, he's got two hundred and eighteen thousand followers. It's a lot. That's a lot. And people want to know what he has to say about biscuits and a YouTube you know? channel. Yeah, yeah. P.S. Well, I'm going to say it. I'm, I'm going to. You ready for a hot take? Sure. Biscuits are the most overrated bread. Oh my god, they're right up there with scones. Scones are terrible. I. I they're undercooked. I, they're. It's. It, I am. I just feel like I've always tried to like a biscuit, and I'm always just like, I don't want. I would never want this ever. I. I sort of feel Overrated. the same way because they, they never seem to be fully cooked. They're kind of like heavy, and the same thing with scones. I, I look at them and I'm like, this. No matter how much jam or cream you put on this thing, it's still kind of like, un unleavened flour. 
Well, then this leads us into my next bit with you. If unless you if you have anything else you want to, we can go. We can head back to food review. I, I had care. a bit. I had a bit. I was going to call underrated, overrated. It's fine. All right. Uh, I mean, brioche buns for hamburgers. Overrated. And by a mile. And here's why: um, they're too big, they're too thick, and they compete with the burger. Your the perfect burger bun should literally by the last bite be falling apart. Why do you think restaurant? Because brioche buns are expensive. They're expensive. It's, why it's, do they? Why do people? Why are they obsessed with these? For fuck the you, and they think it's a good reason that if you're charging eighteen dollars for a burger, you know you want it to look substantial and a oh, big yeah. shiny. You know they brush them with oil so they're kind of shiny looking and they're dense and you know it just it looks expensive. Right. It is expensive. Mm-hmm. But it's like I, I guess you can't charge eighteen dollars for a potato potato bun. Right. That, that looks like them. it got sat them. on because they all look like they got sat but on. <laughs> but that's what's good about them. I mean, potato buns are the. I mean, I, I I find that when you see potato and they use brioche buns, it's almost like, what's the percentage of diners who think that's an upsell? Well, and I always take off half of it, you know, because it's just too much worst. and too dense. You know, it, it messes right. up the proportion of meat to bun. Next up, Cacio Pepe. Overrated, underrated, or just fine? Underrated. You uh, think so? And and here's why. It is um, delicious. It's easy to cook. Everybody has the ingredients for it. Um, and it is perfect. It's got that, you know, pepper and funk. I think it's delicious. If, if well done, it is a culinary miracle. That huh. you could make that creaminess out of just, you know, pasta water and a little bit of cheese. Huh. Okay. Love it. All right. I was going to say overrated. Oh, yeah? Because, I mean, it's to me, I mean, I haven't had it like you've had it. I, that's why I had you on here. I need, to, I need to know these things. Yeah. I mean, if done perfectly, uh, you're creating an emulsion with a little bit of cheese and the pasta water you just cooked the pasta in and some cracked pepper. And what you end up with is this silky starchy sauce out of nothing hmm. and it's a miracle wow yeah it's a, is that the miracle is that why it's good is because it's such few ingredients yeah and it teases out the starch uh and the pasta and reduces the pasta water so that you get this miracle sauce huh yeah what do, what do you think of what do you think of macaroni and cheese oh that's overrated so underrated funny i just had this conversation with my friend this morning it is a cultural landmark in many uh, American, you know, demographics where it is as important as, you know, it's, it has to be on the Thanksgiving table. Huh. And that baffled me because I was like, really? But yeah, it does. I think it's overrated. Why? I, maybe because when I was, when Hillary and I first moved in together, that's all we ate. Kraft macaroni and oh, cheese is all terrible. we ate. Oh, that's terrible. That's not, that, that. But I mean, we couldn't afford really much anything cheese. else. But like, I've had like good macaroni and cheese uh-huh. and it's fine it's fine it's fine i'm not like freaking out over we better have macaroni and cheese it's one of those it's like one of those foods that are like you know humble but everybody has an affection for eh, no it's fine it's fine i think i think people get a little bit too horned up about macaroni and cheese to be honest you know what i couldn't stand i couldn't stand the lobster mac and cheese moment or the truffled what? mac and cheese moment I can understand the truffled mac and cheese moment over the lobster. I could never understand the lobster mac. Yeah, Why lobster you, and you cheese. Can't even taste it. Why would you do that? No, they, very, they had. That's to... a lot of trafe right there. That's a trafe city. <laughs> you had to bling it up somehow. 
But I don't, I don't know. I don't know why they made that point. The point. I mean, lobster is so subtle in and of itself. Yeah. I, mean, I, th- I honestly almost think that lobster is overrated. You know what? It's because it it's doesn't too taste expensive. like anything. Expensive. So right. when lobster, so uh, where we go in the Cape, uh, Captain, <laughs> Captain, uh, oh God, what's his name? I think it's Captain Dan or something. Dave, Captain Dave sells us lobsters or used to at seven dollars a pound. I love lobster. It's Those set, are chicks, right? No, they are pound and a half lobsters. Wow. You meet the guy on the town dock in a car. It's very shady. It's a it's a bit like a drug deal. And I love an $8 lobster. But when it, when it gets to like a $25 lobster, I'm out. It loses its charm. Well, that's the that's the going. You always can tell by the going price of lobster rolls up there, like twenty one bucks. Yeah, I mean, it should be a cheap and it should not cheap, but it should be like a happy, casual food. And once it gets into like serious money, it it it. Uh, I don't think it stands up to the price. But it's a lot of work, though. Eh. I mean, no, I mean the the shucking of the knuckles and all yeah, that shit. Yeah, you know, it's I, a lot of work. I steam them, pop the tail off, crack crack it down the center. I also use like a mallet and, you know, some grungy knife. I go through it quickly, but I make a god-awful mess. All right. Underrated, overrated, or fine? Cornbread. Underrated. I love cornbread. I love it. Really? Yeah. Made with bacon fat? Are you kidding me? Oh, for fuck's sake. I didn't realize we had that. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. But it's In a skillet with bacon fat. Just imagine. I think it's so overrated. Why? Because it's so goddamn dry. Uh, we made we not made with all we that found, bacon fat. In there. Well, we made a we made. Well, I'm sure. I mean, but we used the Jiffy for years, and then <sighs> the Jiffy, me. and then we used, and then we made, and we found these recipes for spoon bread. Yeah, because I was like, I it's don't want to goddamn. It's eggier. It's lighter. Well, it's because you put in cream cor- cans of cream corn, and then it makes it kind and of all more, those eggs. So it's like right. a, it's like a pudding. Really. It's like a pudding, but like like dry ass cornbread. I. I mean, I, I remember cornbread. the only cornbread I thought was kind of okay, or I thought I was supposed to like it, was at Dallas BBQ. They give you this big ass loaf of of cornbread, and you think I'm supposed to like this. But I also used to grow up in, in you know in New York, yeah. and we would get like a corn muffin, have it split in half with butter, and once again, you kind of want it to be good, but <laughs> overrated. So, do you object to like the gritty grittiness? Because I can see you know that, no. that yellow cornmeal. You know, I like I like it kind of gritty. I like that texture. I like you know the the bacon kind of aspect yeah, but to it's, it. It's so I, dry, I don't like though. when they put a ton of like syrups and sugar in it. That is a problem for me. I don't even know why they call it bread. Well, I mean, you can't make a, a sandwich muffin. out of it. It's essentially it's like a muffin. muffin. It's like a cake. It's a big muffin. I don't know why they do that. I don't know why they make it. I think I mean look look. I've already I've already beaten the brakes off of cornbread, macaroni, and cheese, <laughs> and what was the first one? Uh, what was the Caccio first one from Pepe. the How, What's your No, problem? and biscuits. Oh, and biscuits. biscuits. Well, see, I'm with so you I'm, on that. Then my southern listeners are going to be like, oh, yeah, Yankee, you don't know what he's talking about. Well, look, you want me to be I, honest, I opened, I'll be honest. I opened it up to scones. But they also, you know, they, they had uh, the best biscuits are made with, like, special flour and stuff right. like that. All right. Yeah, okay, I whatever mean, you say. You know. Are you for them? I'm not. I, I mean, I'm like, not. I'm actually, I find biscuits a mystery. So, and same thing with scones. And they're okay. very similar. Next. Yep. Spicy tuna roll. No. Overrated, underrated, or fine? Overrated slash criminal. 
Okay, talk to me. Uh, what you're doing with a spicy tuna roll is you're taking the bits and bobs, the things that don't look nice on a on a regular tuna roll. So these are like the little bits. Chop it up, disguise the flavor a little bit with too much seasoning, and sell it. It's a sausage. It's a sausage of sushi. It's a sausage of sushi, and uh, it doesn't taste good. It's got a, a creepy texture, um, and it makes its way into all of that, like, supermarket sushi. It's always there. Right. It's always there lurking. Awful. Awful. It doesn't do it. You know what? You know what I think? I, I think what makes spicy tuna roll tastes like spicy tuna roll is sesame oil. Okay. Every spicy, every spicy roll, it's got, to, and I'm saying this because I had a friend of mine who listens to this podcast and he sent me this message and he goes, I'm making uh spicy salmon on a crispy rice. That's the big, I don't know if you know that that's the big. Oh, the crispy like, rice. Yeah. The TikTok bullshit. Well, that's a, says, actually I, a traditional thing, but. Well, but I mean, it's become this TikTok bullshit. It's not, I mean, the crispy rice thing, onigiri is not, this little, you know, making the rice and frying it is not, mm-hmm. I mean, onigiri, grilled onigiri, I've been doing it for 20 years, you know, rice balls grilled, but we never, you never had it with like crispy rice with like this spicy tuna roll on top. And he goes, he says to me, he's like, when I go to the store, I know I'm supposed to get a fro, I'm supposed to get not, I'm supposed to get the salmon that's frozen, not thawed, right? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. He's like, well, which one's a sushi grade? I'm like. It generally, know, generally I'm it the, is frozen, and that's to kill uh, parasites. And then he's like, but, but they say it's deep chilled. What am I supposed to I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm making crispy rice with spicy tuna. I'm like, I still fucking call me up with this TikTok <laughs> bullshit. I'm like, you out of your mind? What do you don't think? I, I don't want I don't have You don't stop cooking TikTok videos. <laughs> oh, God, the TikTok cooking videos. There are some really horrific ones out there. So, you know, my experience with TikTok started when these reels kind of came in on Instagram. You're watching these reels, and for the most right. part, they were comedy reels, and they were really hilarious. I mean, I, the friend that I had the argument about cornbread with this morning would, would send them all day long. You know, comedy reels uh, on on Instagram. But now these to-do TikToks are coming in and they are, many of them are uh, appalling. And I hope done, you know, ironically. Like which one? The guy with the with the puppet? Uh, hey, Cheetah. I, what's up? I need a... Da, 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 no, these da, are just da, straight da. up recipes. Like, you know, people doing recipes. And I'm like, you can't possibly eat that. I don't know if you remember Sandra Lee, the of semi-homemade. This is like Sandra Lee on, you know, on a whole bunch of cocaine. You know, like, <laughs> just they're putting this shit together and you're like, do not eat that. Do not eat that. You'll make yourself sick. You know who I feel like made a lot of money during, like, COVID and during, like, you know, the, the who's making the most amount of money right now? It's not just the fucking air fryer people, <laughs> but it's the it's the cornstarch business. What? Because every because my my wife and my kid we all send each other things. They send me stuff they want me to make. Oh yeah, you know, and everything's always and there's a lot my, my, primarily more vegetarian than anything else, and it's always you found these tofu dishes. We found this one tofu. Are you, so are you a vegetarian? Not really, but like we are no, but but we're eating less meat than we usually do. I have a, I'm really the, I was a vegetarian years ago and then I like meat so much and then I don't make a big deal about it. We just eat more. My 
my wife is probably the most vegetarian. She wanted turkey for Thanksgiving, though. I, I really have a problem with factory farming. Yeah. And, and like, I can't get involved with the cruelty of it all. Oh, it's and I just don't want to be involved. I don't want to be involved with it. So, like, if it means I'm just not going to eat as much meat, then I'm not going to eat as much meat. That's so, great. for years, we were just like, it wasn't like we were making a federal case about it, and I wasn't going into someone's house like, oh, I'm a vegan. <laughs> I didn't do any of that. It was more along the lines of, you and I ate. We ate some bullshit. Yeah. We ate oh, some we meat. Ate some, I didn't we have ate a problem. Dirty, I'm not, dirty food. I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna say no, I would never eat that. I, I, I don't do that. But it's like if we have the choice. I'm like, ah, I got some good recipes that are vegetarian or seafood. Yeah. That's fine by me. Yeah, I know you eat a lot of seafood. We eat a pile of seafood. Probably too much seafood. I'm actually getting away from the salmon part. I just yeah, eat for some deep... I'm getting rid of all. To be honest with you, but what's interesting is we find these. We found these vegetarian recipes that are really good. Like, but it's always like you got to dredge in cornstarch. Everything needs <laughs> dredging in cornstarch. I, all I can think of is they send me these videos. Make this taste better. Dredge in cornstarch. Dredge in cornstarch. Are you starch. doing a lot of frying over there? No, but I mean, you you can do cornstarch in a, in a in a wok. Yeah, you know, dredge your velveting. To- yeah, velveting. velveting. Ve- sorry, sorry, velveting. I had no eggs involved in my velveting, <laughs> but I mean, like there are things that crisp shit up, and yeah. you don't have to use without frying, and cornstarch one of them. Yeah, but um. I think that some of them are great. I mean, some of the recipes are great. I do hate it when they're referred to as food hacks Ugh. because cooking, I hate because it's just cooking. It's like, come on, man. Yeah, they're they're hard to look at. But, you know, some of them are so funny. I mean, you know, I do love uh, this is going to sound terrible. I do love that sort of uh, oh, there's no way to say this. Go ahead. There there is this sort of lowbrow uh, American cooking that just never ceases to crack me up. My dad called me a lowbrow for years. Did he? That was a good, that was my favorite, that was our favorite, that was our, that was the fader insult. Lowbrow. Oh, you don't, why? He said, I don't know why you're such a lowbrow. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, dad. So like, what are the lowbrow, what are the lowbrow recipes you, you hate the most? You know, I just saw one that was like for ham salad with like, oh. you know, mayonnaise and uh, like, giant cubes of Velveeta and I was just it was like a train wreck that I could not tear my eyes away from um and people there's one go ahead uh, people send me the send these to me and I'm just like why are you scarring me with this there's one guy his name is Frank the Baker Ralph the Baker Ralph the Baker he's down the down the in in New Orleans and he's just like this guy he's got that He's got that face that you know he he might he is or might have been on something. Yeah. You know, he's got that that kind of that you know, you know what I'm talking about? He's got that skin that's been through it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he's always throwing out a stick of butter and he's throwing a butter Ooh. on the griddle and he's everything is like everything is just like it's all the same. Oh yeah. He, po- he doesn't look great. What you know what I'm saying? Like that face of like yeah. it's called uh that kind of like whiskey uh, sunburn whiskey sunburn got that whiskey sunburn and he's like making it but he's got tons of followers he makes this food that's like you know a lot of butter he ain't, i mean but he's making it happen he's making it happen he's making all these guys in the, down south in, in in new orleans they're all making their own uh sea uh uh spice mixture mm-hmm. actually i will say that the best seasoning spice mixture i get is from a guy named uh stale cracker <laughs> i don't know if you know stale cracker well, what do you use it for Everything it's got in the, the you know what the the best part about it, it's got MSG in it so it <gasps> tastes so much better out of it. it. 
But it's called his stale cracker, and he's got this stuff that, and he's crazy. He's wears oh my a god, wig the crackers with a K. Crack, crack with a K, right? Crack with a K. see. That's why you're the best. You're so fast on the <laughs> on the computer. You're the best. Oh, I'm this, all ladies about and gentlemen, the Julia Sexton. Julia Sexton is so quick on the trigger. Yeah, <laughs> cracker. You gotta watch some of cracker. His. I bought his his seasoning, and I talked to a couple friends of mine, and we're like, we're embarrassed to say this stuff is dynamite. Yeah, <laughs> this stuff I'm is dynamite. You that MSG makes everything better. Uh, guy, All right. I, oh, a guy did a story on recently, and I have to just say this: at Bonnie's does a uh, a MSG martini, and it is amazing. Imagine, uh, what? imagine like a save. So it's a it's a dirty martini made with. Castle Veltrano olive juice, Shaoxing wine in in place of vermouth and um, MSG, and it is like the best, most delicious thing ever. Wow, I've heard that's crazy. Imagine what do you think? It. It's why is it so delicious? Uh, it's got the savory aspect to it. So you have the salty, the salty olive brine, and with MSG, it uh, it's got this sort of compelling savory aspect to it and they are like you can't stop drinking them which is dangerous which is dangerous that's crazy i see i heard so I, I heard of msg pickles and stuff like that but i never heard of it in a cocktail oh yeah msg is so delicious and it's you know the whole thing anti-msg thing is racism it's anti-asian right. racism um you know there's no proof that it causes anything like chinese restaurant syndrome uh, that's all a big, you know, a big racist conspiracy. Uh, but you know, as a product, it's sort of amazing. It's you know, it's it's a compound that's that's naturally occurring in mushrooms and in Parmigiano cheese. You know, it's just it's a naturally occurring thing. Did you see? You saw that? I like the David Chang show, except mm-hmm. for when he had like bits on. You know, when he had like kind of written bits. Oh, I don't remember that. So he had one thing where he had all these people in a room and then they said, do you like, you know, do you eat MSG? And they're like saying, no, I don't eat MSG. And then they gave him chips and everyone's eating the chips. Oh, I love these chips. And he goes, they're all have MSG. They're all, those, all those people are fucking actors. There's just no way that that's not a oh, real maybe. group of that's normal people. when that happens. You can tell because the guy is too excited to get some chips. And it's just, <laughs> everything about, about it is chips. like, he's just too excited to talk about, I don't eat Chinese food because it makes me, I know the MSG yeah. makes me, and it's just oh, like, it's I'm too... like, there's just no way that David Chang sat through a real, oh. a real thing. Yeah, they kind of like, you know, it was a whole big thing. However, I do. I'm glad he did that because for years, I would, you know, I, you see the signs in the window saying in New York. I know, it's heartbreaking. Saying, no, machine. And you know what? I thought it was really weird, though, that both Danny Bowen and David Chang in their cookbooks had recipes for mushroom powder, uh, which, you know, to me was sort of uh kowtowing to the anti-msg crowd by having a powder that you know created umami and had you know glutamic acid through the mushrooms but you know they didn't use msg Hmm. well i I find him to be a fat i used to listen to his podcast religiously and i just got sick of it he was he a poor guy but he (laughs) Poor guy. I mean, he's doing great with his, like, his, his still, everything's doing great. I actually bought the noodles. I'm going to be honest. I bought those noodles, uh, the Momofuku Goods noodles. My, Are they good? My daughter is addicted. Uh, they take huh. three minutes to cook. They actually, the noodles themselves, after three minutes, are in good condition. Believe it or not, the little seasoning packets. I mean, I'm embarrassed to say that I like them. 
Wow. Yeah. Why don't be embarrassed? Don't be embarrassed. You call other people lowbrows five minutes ago. I mean, you, don't be embarrassed. <laughs> this is all right. Let's keep going. Underrated, overrated, or fine. You ready? Yep. New York pizza. Uh, overrated. Yeah, I thought about this very much, and this is I'm going to agree with this you. This is complex. I mean, it's complex, but we're gonna. I think it's overrated as a whole. Yes. Because it's overrated you, outside of New York City. Go ahead. So here's the thing. There's old school New York pizza, which, by the way, is defined by having a coal oven. So right. these ovens get rocket hot. Uh, right. And those are the original uh, New York coal oven pizzas. Uh, that is never going to be overrated to me. However, right. the New York slice, the sal's on every corner, is profoundly overrated. Original race. Yeah. Right. I'm going to agree with you. Because I did, I do rem- remember growing up and finding a couple little hole in the wall places. Well, you where like the John's, pizza was right? Good. Oh, I grew up on. You know, see, I was ruined because my sister lived on twelve by St. Vincent's. So I would spend my when my parents were divorced, I'd spend my formative years at my sister at a bookstore called Three Lives and Company, and then I would stay with them. Mm-hmm. And they were right down the street from John's, so we would eat John's all the time. Yeah, that's so I good thought pizza. that's what's that's John's of Bleecker Street. That's what pizza is supposed to taste like. And then nothing else ever compared. And I was yeah. just like, all right, well, fine. And then I would go to, by my school, high school, there was a place called Don Philip, Don Filippo's. We'd he'd get a slice there. I had this kid who used to, he'd, he'd take his money and he'd just slam on the counter. He says, one slice, as is. He didn't want to eat every fucking day. He'd give a change. One slice, as is. Because he didn't want it heated up. Ew. This little guy, Scott Dana. No, he, want, he never wanted to heat it up. He'd sli- and it was always coins. He'd always have his coins and then he'd slap it down on the I glass. Like one slice, one slice as is. And then they would give him a fucking cold ass piece of pizza sure. for $1.75 or whatever With the was. orange grease all congealed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there was a place that my my, my dad lived. It was called, uh, fuck. It was called, um, it was with an M. I don't remember the name of it. Where do you live? It was really, really. He lived on 81st Street, but it was, uh, it was a famous place on the in the upper 80s. It was, uh. I pissed off at myself and I remember it was uh god damn it it was it was really good pizza it was really really good pizza but it wasn't as good as John's I would say New York pizza is overrated on a whole if you were as a uh, as a whole yeah but like the you New said York I think slice that is the New York slice ugh. I mean you gotta you really do have to find a dump yeah to get good pizza we found my wife and I lived in Brooklyn and we found this place that was not meant for pizza <laughs> But they just made great pizza. Like it was like it was a chop house, but their pizzas were dynamite. It was a coal oven pizza. Yeah. And same I mean, thing, that's John's. The big thing. It's so same thing, Frank Pepe's. For it to in, to really work, you need that coal oven, and they stopped allowing them. So I think you actually have to buy an original coal oven. I'm not sure how this works. You can have a wood fired oven, and those would be new. But the original, like Lombardi's, the you know right. Titano's. All of those original ones were coal ovens, which get hotter than wood. Um, so that was our distinctive thing. Why do you think Neapolitan-style pizza became as popular as it is? And I know it's our friend Dave DeBarry makes bangers. You know, like I know, but it's so different. It's so not New York. Yeah, pizza. it's not New York pizza. New York pizza is a commodity thing. It's a dollar slice. It's a for the most part, except for those you know few. Uh, really traditional New York pizza places that I just mentioned, you know, uh, for the most part, it's made with cheap cheese. It's made with conditioned dough. It's put in 
fired in an electric blodget oven. Um, you know, the average slice is made with commodity ingredients like very dry mozzarella pre-shredded in a pillowcase bag. Um, so, right. you know, that's what we're talking about as New York pizzas for the most part. Just not very good ingredients. When people started coming with Neapolitan pizzas, though, suddenly they were making dough. They were using, you know, like fresh cheeses. They were, you know, not having these tarry, too much oregano um, pizza sauces. Uh, instead, they were just using fresh tomatoes or, you know, canned tomatoes, but not cooked down. Uh, I think Neapolitan pizzas imply better ingredients, you know, like real olive oil and, and stuff like that. Right, right. Because it, it has really taken over in terms mm-hmm. of like... How we see uh, pizzas. Okay, next. Overrated. You like this game? Yeah, this is fun. Okay. Underrated. I told you we'd have some fun. Underrated, overrated, perfectly fine. Roast turkey. Overrated. It's the worst fucking protein on the planet. I prefer tofu. I Am I allowed to curse? To... I just cursed. You go, yeah, go, I curse all the time. All right. Of course, 100%. You think, you think, you think my sponsors care? They, they, they'll pile up. Ugh. No problem. And it, it, to make it taste anything like okay, you have to, you know, wet brine it, dry brine it, take two days. You have to buy, you know, a fancy turkey, whatever. No matter what you do to this thing, it's still going to be substandard. If you listen to The Daily, I don't know if you listen to the podcast, The Daily, they had a... Uh, uh, one right before Thanksgiving where they had this food writer who's felt guilty why about how turkey has turkey cooking has changed and it's been pushed by you know food writers and stuff like that and it was because you know first I guess back in the day people would shove shove it in like a plastic bag or cook it oh in yeah a bag. there was that whole bag moment from the 50s yeah bag moment in the 50s and then and then there was the butterball timer th- button oh i heard that i heard that that was the daily yeah i heard that one that and, and it was interesting because they felt like there was all these everyone hated the turkey they did a shitty job with the turkey and the the most fascinating one was the butterball oh yeah alarm. with the, the click the, the, thing the, that never worked the telephone line like oh, butterball the, oh, had like God, a, yeah a telephone line that you could call and they would and they would help you gonna walk your way through it and what's interesting was the idea was that all these methods of cooking, like the wet brining, is is over. Wet brining's over. Well, because guys, it made it made your turkey taste like brine. But it, yeah. it was too much of a production. Well, it was like, like what do you do? What do you get a bu- where do you get this bucket? How do you? You'd put it have in a to have a basement fridge or a garage fridge or something, and you put it in a giant cooking vat. And I look, I did it a few times, and what happened was, sure, your turkey was moist, but it was moist with brine. You know, it didn't taste like <sighs> turkey. It tasted like whatever you soaked it in. And then the then the frying, the turkey frying became a big that, thing. That which was is a big thing. Worst. I'm, I'm, I've never the actually worst. had a fried, a deep fried turkey. Oh, it's awful. Is it? It's awful. I mean, is it just turkey's bad as it is. Turkey's bad as it is. It's just not a good thing. But I mean, it's bad as it is, but it's like the fried, it doesn't, I mean, it looks good, but I mean, it's just like, I've had it. It doesn't, you know, knock my socks off. I do. <laughs> Well, maybe because I'm a sadist, I do love uh, looking again these reels of people blowing up. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> there's nothing better. There's uh, that is that I mean that is unbelievable. Like uh, the 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 explode. You know, people the putting explosive. frozen turkeys in hot oil. 
I like the derivation behind it, which was these Cajun oh, guys. Yeah. They had the crab boil thing already squared away. Yeah. So they just filled it up with peanut oil. When I went to I went to the supermarket with my kid, and there were there was there was a there was an aisle filled with gallons of peanut oil for people to fry their turkeys. And I'm just like they're gonna burn their whole goddamn house. Everyone's gonna burn their house down. This whole neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole neighborhood is gonna just. And the Look big like thing zone. now is. You got two different things now. One is the dry brining, which that's makes that's what a lot I more do. Sense. That's what I do. And then this Kenji Alt Lopez spatchcocking the turkey yeah. and then slathering with mayonnaise. I, I was that's going to be the new thing. I was intrigued by that, but um, I just couldn't. I couldn't do the mayonnaise. It was. I get it. I can't do the mayonnaise. I can't do. And the then mayonnaise. it's like, who do you really? Well, the other thing is, is I said to my wife, my Thanksgiving is very important. To my wife, it's her favorite holiday. There are those people. So, I can't fuck it up. Like, I can't play with... It's not good for my marriage if I <laughs> test recipes on Thanksgiving. That's funny. And I'll tell you what, hilariously enough, we were just going to get a uh, turkey, and, it was, and I'd listened to... Uh, Howard Stern was interviewing uh, Neil Young, and Neil Young was talking about factory farming. Yeah. And how factory farming, it has chain... You know, how... how you're, you're not supposed to... Have, you know, these animals are supposed to be working... You know, walking around yep. on, you know, whatever. There are turkeys I was just like, that cannot naturally breed. I, I said after, I was like, I'm not going to get a factory farm turkey. I'm going to go to the farm. And I called up the farm and I ordered, I put a $30 deposit down and I was hoping for just a 12 pound bird. Well, they only had 19 pound birds. Oh, sure. So we ended up, so my wife went to go pick the fucking thing up and I was like, how much more was it? She was like, yeah, I paid $100. So $130 we paid for this fucking turkey for me to be like, Mr., you know, I'm going to, you know, how have we donated to, we got a free turkey at the supermarket. I donated to a, uh, food pantry and we got another turkey that we donated to a turkey trot but i was like i don't know what i fucking 130 dollars for this shitty and i cooked it and i did what i was supposed to do what'd you do i pulled i dry brined uh-huh. it overnight the skin was fine you gotta it's shove good. butter I got everywhere i shoved butter everywhere and then i put it up and i and i didn't put a lot of shit inside of it and I put it in the oven, and then um, I went for 165, just barely 165. Mm-hmm. In the thigh, I went 160, like one. I was like, yeah, yeah it'll be and fine. Still and then reddish. it was like 150. <laughs> it was 150 in the breast. Yeah. And I thought, I cannot fuck this. It's fine because Hillary was just like, ah, make a turkey look like a turkey. Don't make it like a you know like a flattened down bat like or whatever it's supposed to look run like. run over by a truck. <laughs> yeah. So so we, we're cutting it up and it looks good and it feels juicy and I'm like farm raised. I did everything right. And I feel like it sucks. Was it okay? And it's always sucked. It always sucks. What? It's a terrible protein. It's just not delicious. It's never going to be delicious. I'm going to tell just you, I'm going to be a little bit gross for a second if you don't mind. I do not Please mind. forgive me. I think that I'm constipated from the turkey. Okay, maybe it was the stuffing. No, I didn't eat that much stuffing. Okay. And the stuffing was fine. I'm convinced it was the goddamn turkey. I'm convinced. I'm, I think it locked me up. I think this turkey, <laughs> I swear to God, I was, I was, I was How much eating did this turkey. Eat? <laughs> I didn't eat that much, but I mean, we got leftover 19 pounds of fucking turkey. It's a I got to suck with it. It just sucked all the moisture. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I was writing, I did, I did, uh, I was doing, if you get on the newsletter, Fader Knives, I were doing the last newsletter is about the slicer. And I start talking, and the whole thing is they like it when I just, I'm a little outrageous. And I wrote, that I had a piece of dr- leftover turkey before I wrote this goddamn thing, <laughs> and it like sucked all the moisture out of my neck, 
and I it started seizing up like gross. it started seizing up like concrete in my throat. Hey, and I thought I'm going to die from this fucking turkey. Hot take: What do you think about those electric carving knives that everybody's father had? Ugh, I mean, <laughs> not. I mean, it's like it's. If, what is the point of those? My father, well, it's my too... grandmother had them, and what whenever she did Thanksgiving, this weird electric knife came out, and it created like sawdust because of this vibrating uh, blade created like a surface of like filaments well i'll tell you what's interesting because it's usually two serrated knives is that what serrated serrations aren't aren't yeah because they don't want you to sharpen it there's two back and it's either two back and forth or one is there any advantage to that thing Serrations are interesting because not all of them all are created equally, and you can actually for for bread it doesn't matter. Everyone hacks through whatever. Yeah. But like I actually dealt with, I was doing bread knives, and then I sent one to a brisket guy, and the brisket guy says he's tearing my meat up. Yeah. He's like, and he sent me a competition barbecue slicer was serrated. The serrations were a different diameter of the scallop was different diameter, different spacing. I changed the diameter of the scallops and the spacing, mm-hmm. and I ended up with something that was slicing meat cleaner than otherwise. Why does he need a so, bread knife to cut brisket? It wasn't. He wanted No, he wanted me to make him a, a, a slicing knife that he used, but he wanted to be a uh, – he wanted a serrated brisket slicer. So he I made it for him, and then he sent it back, and then remade it based on – some decisions we just didn't know mm. but like all those serrate so all serrated knives are, are not equal but turkey's the worst i fucking it's, am t- it's I'm so tired of it. we need to change that and you know what i was talking to a friend and she was so brilliant she did the whole meal and and instead of turkey made fried chicken and i strong thought, move oh, strong move strong move or chick whatever i tell you what i tell you what's not what's completely underrated and it's only good at one time of the year is if you get Thanksgiving flavored potato chips. Oh, interesting. Unbelievable. We got them thinking, ah, my kid was like, what do you think these taste like? My wife said, we should get them. I'm like, I get get them. It's just potato chips with poultry seasoning. And it was, they're unbelievable. So interesting. I mean, so it was it's like sage. It sage was, chips. It was like, it was like stuffing flavor. It was perfect. It was the only, it was the only, you know, flavored chip that tastes like a, what the flavored chip is supposed to taste like. You know, barbecue chips don't taste like fucking barbecue. <laughs> I don't know what they taste Sour like. Sour cream and onion taste like, you know, something weird is going on. Yeah. But the but the Thanksgiving potato chips at Thanksgiving, that sounds that's good. on the money. I, but you can't eat it in the summertime. I actually love you know? those weird English potato chips like tikka masala. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Know, I can see that. Prawn. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Yeah. All right. Let's keep going. Right. Overrated, underrated, or just fine. Um, s'mores. Overrated by a mile. By a mile. That's some. Sh- I'm sorry. Hershey's is shit chocolate. It doesn't matter what chocolate it is. It's a. It's a. The dumbest. It's, it's the worst. Can do. I don't know how it became part of food at all, but it, there's nothing good about s'mores ever. I'm trying to think. Except what like, is the charm of them? I think it's something suck. that you can. It's something. It's it's interactive. The graham cracker is always bad. Always. I don't like graham it's never crackers. Good, but it's not good. The marshmallow is always too big. Yeah. The chocolate doesn't matter what chocolate. We did it you once one do. year. We got different types of chocolate. Did it help? It doesn't matter which chocolate you get. It always tastes like shit. I don't know. And the s'mores are Nutella? always bad. The most overrated. We've done um, the best one we ever had was 
we use an Oreo instead of a graham cracker oh, and we use Nutella and we use Nutella. That's strong. But I think s'mores, s'mores ice cream is overrated. I think s'mores cake is overrated. Ew. I think anything s'more, anything s'mores is completely overrated. Yeah, there's some people who really like graham crackers. I don't, I, I don't. think that they like the idea of what's going to happen. And then when they get it, no one's ever just like, God damn, this And it always gets really all over it. you. Like, you're yeah. always sticky. It's bad. It's bad if I, you burn I, it. If it's bad if you don't burn it. If you undercook it, it sucks. Marshmallows in general are not good. Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. All right. We're in agreement there. Yep. We're in agreement there. Okay. The Reuben sandwich. Overrated, underrated, or fine? Uh, this is a difficult one for me. I res- It's going to get worse. Res- it's going to be about to get worse. I respect the Reuben. I will never order a Reuben. Because huh. if I am in a place that serves a good Reuben, I'm going to get a pastrami sandwich because that is one of my top four incredibly indulgent treats like that I don't often get because they're so rich. Right. But if I am in a place that has a, you know, like Katz's or where, wherever that has really. Yeah, you wouldn't get. I'm not yeah, going to get a Reuben. A, no. No. I mean, what the fuck with the, um, with the yeah. sauerkraut on it? No. And the Russian dressing. No. You can't. The Russian dressing. I like a Reuben. I would never get it at I I think it's great. I don't I think it's fine. I I think it's fine. I I think that it's going to surprise you. The next sandwich I'm gonna write uh, the next sandwich is what do you think overrated, underrated, or fine, a Cuban sandwich. Uh underrated. I think they they can be very delicious. Huh. When when the, the bread is like you know, like cracklingly crisp and they're so rich on the inside. So like the difference between the crackly crisp grilled bread and the incredibly fatty porky insides, I'm I'm all about that. That's delicious. I had I think it I think they're overrated. And the only reason why I say that is because I've tried them forever. Mm-hmm. And I watched Chef where we watch Chef and you watch Chef and they're making the Cuban sandwiches and they're like having, you know, orgasms on this. It's like all right, it's not that good. Mm-hmm. And my friend Carl, you have to get Carl that Ruiz. Bread, Carl Ruiz, rest in peace. Yeah. Made made national news when he said that the best Cuban sandwich. He was a Food Network guy. Yeah. He was big with uh, all these guys. He said the best Cuban sandwich in the United States. And he says I've had it all over Florida. I'm Cuban. I've had it all over Florida, all over. It's a place called La Pola in New Jersey. You know, I love and those people that come up with these radical sources of things. He he influenced an extraordinary amount. And then, you know, all of Tampa and Miami are screaming. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, well, Apparently the best Philly cheesesteak is in Camden, New Jersey. I, I want to tell you, I want to know about that in a second. So Carl got some, and he, he made this small place in, you know, it was a Cuban family in, in New Jersey and they made uh, La Pola. And I had it. He brought he brought it last time I saw him. We he he brought it to his restaurant. He, one of his guys brought it to a restaurant. And he had it heated up, and we ate what he deemed the best Cuban in the. And what do you think? It was fine. It was, I mean, it was just it was, fine. It was fine. It, was it wasn't like I didn't. I was. I'm not going to be one of these guys who like. Oh my god, it's so delicious. It was fine. And he'll even tell you that the Cuban sandwich was start well he's not gonna tell you now he's dead but the cuban sandwich started because the people out in cuba were getting all these gamblers to come down and they were saying what are these americans eating yeah. well they eat a lot of pork Same. and they eat ham yeah. and they like swiss cheese and they like pickles and they like mustard so they slammed it all together and they made the fucking cuban sandwich versus the elena ruse you know the elena ruse sandwich no what is that that's the class a real 
Cuban sandwich where it's a bun with turkey, roast turkey, cream cheese, and strawberry jelly. <laughs> That's a real Cuban sandwich. Which looks like a like a tea sandwich. Yeah. All right. If you have the choice between a Cuban sandwich and a Reuben sandwich. Cuban. What do you pick? Cuban. Oh, I'm, there's, there's no question I'm getting a Reuben. That's, no question. I, I, I can't. I, I respect a Reuben. Uh, I don't like a Reuben. I'm a sucker for sauerkraut. Okay, so Cuban or Bon Me? Oh, Bon Me. Yeah. Uh, Cuban's never going to win with me. Really? You I think it's I, uh, it's fine. It's fine. Well, I try, I've tried Reuben them all over bon the place. Me. Oh, Bon Me. Yeah. Bond me, bond me all day. I think the bond me is uh, the bond me is what I love about Vietnamese food, where it's like the hot stuff Ugh. and the cold stuff and the different flavors and the textures. The cilantro get cilantro and pickled carrots get me every time. Yep. I mean, that's you you but no, that's easy. Tell me about this Philly cheesesteak place. I I, have, I don't know it. I have to find it. Um, oh, yeah, okay. I, I don't know it. All right, then let's keep going. All right. Underrated, overrated, is fine. Pumpkin pie overrated yeah overrated and it's primarily made with canned pumpkin right which isn't even pumpkin no and it's a it's a fucking gourd gourd it's a winter, gourd, winter like, squash what, you know what happened what happened with us all why do we like that well it's the pumpkin and what is with the pumpkin the spice pumpkin spice have you been to a trader joe's lately yes they have pumpkin spice body butter they have we, pumpkin spice everything. What the? What is pumpkin spice? I'm trying to think because Hillary referred to it as P, it's PSL season. That's what it's PSL season, pumpkin spice latte season. It was it's short, I think it's a short season, but we got pumpkin spice something or other, and I said this still sucks. Like I've never really. I mean, pumpkin spice. I get that you're trying to create a v- seasonal vibe, but I mean, it ain't really it, happening. It with smells me. like a Yankee Candle factory. Right. And how are they doing after the pandemic? P.S. I, I, mean, I mean, I was talking about that. My, I, mean, I want to know those mall Yankee candle companies, how they did after the pandemic. <laughs> no one's at the mall. Who's going to buy them damn yeah. candles? Because you can't really buy a candle over the internet, can you? you smell I don't it. know. I mean, all those choices. Those pla- they have, it's all choices. I could, you gotta smell I couldn't them. even go in those places because they smelled like this chemical bomb went off in there. I said to my kid, my kid was talking about a being at the mall, and I'm like, how's that Yankee Candle store doing? Because it's like, I, that, that that must have been a real rough rough two years with no one can come in <laughs> to smell their shitty candles and figure out which one they want to give their dumb friends. Right. Okay. Overrated, underrated, or perfectly rated Pharaoh. Okay. I'm going to say underrated, and I have reasons why. Go ahead. All right. So just for the listener, Faro is a it's it's like it's, ri- it's as close to emmer. rice as possible, but it's a it's like a wheat berry. Almost. Yeah, it's a two row emmer for the wheat geeks out there. Uh, and what it is is We're, there are no wheat geeks. In oh, this oh I'm sorry. So look it up. It's a two Fine. row emmer, and what it is is a it's a whole grain that has this really sort of nutty flavor. It's a little bit chewy. It's got a a whole you know. Um, husk on the outside and when cooked in like stocks and things it has this really it's almost like a rice but it has a lot more flavor what do you think what do you i think i believe uh, we cook it all the time oh good i think it tastes great i hate wild rice like i don't like wild yeah. rice at all. wild rice sucks 
I mean, I, I really, that's, that's like a no, and I, I grew up in my house. My dad used to make wild rice because I think he thought it that a, it was like, we're like farmers or no, something like that. No, that was like a thing. That was like an eighties thing. That was an eighties thing. I, I never, and there's nothing delicious about wild rice. It's like you're stuck in your teeth. Yeah. It's hard to eat and it's yeah. just, it doesn't, doesn't soak anything up. It's no, like, it doesn't soak it's anything like, up. It's it's like I mean rice is supposed to soak shit up. Yep. Wild rice is like you're eating like cut up nettles. Yeah, it is. Like, like pine you know, like needles. Sticks. Like yeah, like like well cut, you know, sticks. Mm-hmm. It sucks. But pharaoh. Oh, that's yummy. Pharaoh's. I think pharaoh is the most underrated of all grain dishes. Yeah. Like I'll I would take you. pharaoh. I'll take pharaoh over any type of polenta. I'll take pharaoh well, over. It's very different. I mean, polenta is well, just so rich. It's about... yeah. But we're talking about no. But we're t- I'm just talking about like a, a a starchy side. I love a grit. With but with dinner. Uh yeah, shrimp and grits. It's fine. Shrimp and grits. You're gonna pick pharaoh over grits. I'm gonna pick those incredibly buttery grits under a shrimp right. and grits. Come on, we're all right. We're doing you're doing preparation now. Are you picking? Are you picking? I see. I'm taking the only my 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 grain rank. Oh, by the way, just to let you know, I did. We did a bread uh, bracket at home. Mm-hmm. It was fascinating. We all we broke. We found 16 breads and we competed against. They they all you know they went one after the other. And Is then this we like had a, a taste test. No, just like what we like. Oh, okay. There was bagels and pitas and all this shit and sourdough in our family. And then the seeding, we didn't seed the bracket correctly. But <laughs> I love that you guys br- do Sourdough this. won the whole thing. Fun. I like that. Sourdough won the whole thing. I was kind of hoping bagels were going to win the whole thing. but uh, We have a family sex. problem with sourdough because apparently my husband believes that for 10 years, the first 10 years of our relationship, I would come back from the farmer's market and say, oh, and I have... I have sourdough, and he said every time, "I don't really like sourdough." Oh, you kept buying but I, it, but I just, but I every time I saw it, I thought it was special, and I had to have it. Sa- my family, and it was with a three-person voting system. It's perfect because there's, <laughs> there's never a tie. I like that three-person voting system. The bracket went crazy. I mean, you know, pita, pita, pita got lost to tortillas, and I see. And I don't. Pretzel I don't beat out. I thought baguettes were going to take the whole thing. To yeah. be honest with you, but baguettes, baguettes lost to. I don't remember what it was. Uh, I, but it so was fun doing a bread bracket. I mean, it was a three-person. I mean, I didn't I seed this. it correctly, though. I didn't. We didn't. The seeding wasn't corrected. Wasn't correct. What about just, like an just... Italian uh, pandacasa, like a regular? Because that's like my right. go-to. N- now you're now you're getting crazy. I mean, we're just trying to find <laughs> now you're just getting breads stupid. for Christ's sakes. I mean, we were trying to do Chris sixteen breads for Christ's sakes. Yeah. You know. So I I think Pharaoh is the most underrated of gra- of all grains. I, I, I think will it's the I will most go delicious. with you on it's completely underrated and unknown. Oh, underrated, unknown, yeah. inexpensive. It's a little bit Not expensive, cheap. yeah. Not cheap, but worth it. I think oh, and yeah. it's better for you. It's better it's for really you. good for you. Underrated, overrated, or fine kombucha. Um. I respect a kombucha. <laughs> oh, I do not. I do not like it. It tastes like it tastes like burps to me. It tastes like something repeating on me. I don't like the flavor. Okay, I love kombucha. I, know. I found some kombuchas that are really good, and I Hillary used to make kombuchas, and we had the scoby. That, that was I like, love the way they look with that weird uh, blob. The spooky disgusting. blob. Disgusting. It looks disgusting. I mean, it's like from the, it's from another planet. It's like these like it's just like these it's giant. Like a squid pasty gills growing one on top yeah. of the other and it's disgusting it's just the scobies are dis- 
disgusting. So I get the best kombucha I get is this one. It's like a, it's it's like a rose. It's a rose flavored one that's really dynamite. I, I, I love did kombucha. like one by Health Aid that was sort of spun, yeah Health Aid spun to be like the uh, the master cleanse. So it was cayenne lemon. Basically, it was all this stuff that killed that burp flavor. Oh, I don't want it. I don't want anything that's going to do anything for me. I'm like, hoping it's going to do something for me. But I do like kombucha. But apparently, you're not supposed to drink a lot of it, and I Why? learned that the hard way. Well, right, I mean, what does it I mean, do? It tastes like vinegar. It just runs right through. Oh, you. okay. So maybe, too maybe you should it. have I mean, some now. No, well, you got a good point. You got to make a good point. I like kombucha. I like it. All right, we're rounding third. Underrated, overrated, or fine cupcakes. Overrated by a mile. Ugh. What's up with cupcakes? So cupcakes, it all came from the Magnolia Bakery moment, which was, you know, unfortunately uploaded into the uh, megasphere through Sex in the City. Right. So there were these oversized cupcakes filled with uh, or covered with American buttercream, which if anybody knows their buttercream is just whipped butter and um, icing, sugar. icing sugar, confectioner sugar. So it's awful. yeah, it's awful. It's gritty with sugar. Um, I never liked the Magnolia cupcakes, but they just took over and they became, they became very gendered, which I didn't, I don't like a gendered food. So like girls were associated with, with cupcakes and Good call. Uh, I don't like that. Gendered food is no don't good. Like what other ge- gendered foods are I don't like fucking there? gendered alcohol. I do not like gendered food. Well, they're, ge- they're starting to gender hot dogs. What do you mean? They call them glizzies. What are those? Glizzy's Glizzy's is is the New York slang name for hot dog, and basically, if you eat a hot dog, you're, you know, we'll have to talk offline. Well, you're just—I mean, it's like <clears throat> they say AO, and you know, it's like they—they've—they—they they, they, hot dogs are getting maligned. Hot dogs are going through a very maligned oh, moment, right. which I'm not happy about. But I think cupcakes are always overrated. Yep. Like I've never liked them, except for the Hostess cupcakes that are like whatever. <laughs> oh, with that dried thing that you could just peel off with a squid. But they're on not. Oh, those are the best. Yeah, but they're not. I mean, they, they regu- If somebody makes cupcakes, they're always dry. Like the only cupcake I would imagine would be good is you made a sheet cake, and then like, and then like popped out the the cupcake shape because otherwise it's going to be dry as shit. I just you know the thing that I objected to was like that post '90s cupcake moment where you had like three inches of icing on top of a cake and it was just sort of gross. It was too much. It gross. I I cupcakes are never i don't know why people like it i it's it's a it's a it's a it's a switcheroo you look at it you think felt, this is good they felt sort of uh childlike and they were um often pretty and i think that i don't know they were infantilizing and gendered. i like the i don't like the fact that you don't like the fact that they're gendered as you food. know what as somebody writes about food and spirits I can't tell you how many times people have addressed whiskey comments to my husband. Like what? Just like, you know, oh, what do you, you know? Don't know any you know, of like, right. you know, like, blah, 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 this is a, and I'm like, he, he actually doesn't know anything, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. So I'd have to sort of get in front of him and, you know, like out whiskey somebody, you know, it's, it's just, that's gotta be annoying. It's annoying. Uh, it's annoying to have to, you know, food is often gendered. You know, like huh. barbecue is for men and cupcakes are for women and, you know, like right. rosé is for, you know, girls, but 
you know, whiskey is for men. And it's like, I kind of like all of it except for the cupcakes. You know, I feel like because I'm a knife maker and a blacksmith, mm-hmm. I, I have so much like already like baked in masculinity that I could be a little bit feminine for a while. Yep. A little rosé don't bother me. I like, a, why, why, I see, like boy, ice cold rock. Boys don't feel comfortable drinking rosé now and it's a perfectly respectable Oh my god! It's ridiculous. Ice cold rosé from ah. Sancerre. Get the fuck get the out fuck of here, out of there. man! It's delicious. And how about champagne? Shut up! Shut up! It's yummy. And and the I, same listen, thing I, with dark beer. Why do you why do you guys always have to have the dark beer? Because the boys. God, dark beer. I know what I like. Aperol spritz. I like that about you. I, I like an Aperol spritz. I like I said, I'm I've have I have enough baked in masculinity that I don't That's worry true, about you're that quite shit. Butch. Oh, dude, I could I could eat a cupcake, no problem. I no problem. I'm not worried that somebody's gonna say Fader's gay. Because you've got rosé. I mean, I got, are you kidding? I got a rosé and a cupcake. I'm not gonna like the cupcake. <laughs> I'm gonna love the rosé. Last one. Right. Overrated, underrated, or fine. This is gonna be the hardest one because we have a lot of people from Philly in the Uh-oh. house. Philly cheesesteak. Um, I actually like them. There's something Okay, so fine. So it's fine or underrated? Uh I think it's fine. I don't want to say that they're overrated cuz um I think I I don't I don't want to say they're underrated cuz I think everybody appreciates a good Philly cheesesteak. Right. Uh I don't want to okay. say they're, they're not overrated. They're not overrated. Right. But you know, who doesn't love that? I had one from John's. John's the burn down. The, there's Jim's. I had one from Jim's apparently burned mm-hmm. down, and I waited on a line for a long time. Yeah, and it was fine. It was fine. I didn't feel like I needed to wait on line for an hour. For yeah, that. that's the problem. That's the problem. It's that long, like if it was like immediate, lines. if it was an immediate, if it was an immediate purchase, I would have a higher appreciation for. It. And, and you know, Philly cheesesteak guys, they say Jim's is the place, and we waited for a long time, and I was excited. Yeah. And that long time was uh, was problematic for my overall appreciation for a true Philly cheese. Yeah, I can, I can, I can see that. So I have one for you. What about Chicago uh, pizza? Uh, <laughs> I actually suffering. <laughs> I had uh, John Sharp at Gleason's used to have uh, a deep dish pizza, and I loved it. I don't think it's pizza. No, it's not. It's it's a casserole. But I think they're del- I think they're delicious. I love them when, at the time. Actually, I got a few of them. When they had them on the menu, you had to order them ahead. And I had a few of them, and I really, really enjoyed eating them. I enjoyed looking at them. I enjoyed the taste. Good. So I like a Chicago pizza. I like. I thought you were going to say Chicago hot dog. No, I like a Chicago hot dog. I like all that jazz on there. All right, last. Did you like that game? Yeah, this is fun. I could do this all day. Okay. Well, I'll get you. We'll come. Back. I'll have you come back, and we'll do more. I can. This is come. See, basically, I do hard hitting interview people. I'm gonna like next week. I'm gonna have uh, Ben Camone, who is one of the greatest knife makers in the in in Europe. Oh no, he's a in the United States. He's a, he's a, he's Austrian, and I'm gonna have to like really prepare myself. <laughs> but these are the ones that I like. I have you on, and we can just say overrated. <laughs> I'll do a whole new thing. We'll do overrated and underrated. Now I'm gonna put you in the hot seat. All right. You ready? And sure. we're gonna get the fuck out of here. I have nothing but respect for you. Uh oh. You don't get worried yet. <laughs> I feel as though I feel as though I have the uh I have the experience of being a Kenyan college graduate. Yep. 
surrounded by English majors. Mm -hmm. I've written. It doesn't get in by osmosis, you know. I'm saying it gets in by osmosis. (laughs) I've I enjoy writing. I feel like I'm a decent writer. I would like to propose that you let me write a piece. For one of your magazines, I would and love you don't that. even I have to say that. yes. I would love that. And you can. What would you, it be I, about, I will, though? Well, that's what I'm asking. See, this is the hot seat yeah. part. I feel as though I have something to offer as a writer because I write a lot for lo- Fader and I, I, would so love I write that. a lot. All I right, and then you can be as brutal. I thought this was. Gonna, I thought this was going to be a harder push. No, but I. I want. I well, would, we won't I pay would you. Like, I mean, duh. I don't, no, no, I'm not asking to be paid. I'm not asking to be paid. Thanks, by the way. That, well, that was a strong move, by the way, by not even mentioning that. I didn't even ask for payment. I just feel as though that I could contribute to one of the edible I think it'd magazines. Be great. I think it'd be great. And all, but what would you talk about? I mean, you know, I, I, I think it would be great if you talked about, you know, people's knife mistakes, purchasing knife mistakes, you know, you, like. Why you're the editor? Why people shouldn't buy the big block of knives? Uh, you know, I think that would be really you're the editor. You tell me, and I'm going to be. You know, I'll be not off the rails. I'll be you know very measured, but I'll. You tell me, and you can be as critical as possible. I'm not. I would love I'm, that. Not, I'm not. All right. I would love that. that. Was easy. That you was easy. What? Can you? You know what? This would be actually really interesting. What knives do you cook with? As somebody I cook who sells knives. Op- I, you know what? I used to have, especially during the pandemic, I bought a lot of knives from friends of mine. It's uh-huh. just being supportive. I use only my knives these days. Why? And my favorite, I like, I think it's important that I'm cooking with my knives so I can kind of get a feeling what I like and what I don't like. Okay. So that's sort of a meditative practice. It's not like, well, what, it's what because I got to, if I like it, I, here's my opinion. Here's my opinion on, as knife makers, knife maker, and we got to get the fuck out mm-hmm. of here soon. The knife makers, it's very important to, cook with your knives not like you're cooking while people are watching you have to cook normally and not being thinking about it and then you start to realize oh, this hurts or that i don't like the way that right. feels or something like that i use an eight inch chef knife eight my eight, eight inch k-tip that's it that's all you need <gasps> you are man enough to admit that why i don't know why? i mean how big is your fucking cutting board uh you could get a 10 inch chef knife no and then nine, you have only nine, a seven inch, inch cutting board nine inch yeah, it's unnecessary. For what? I don't know. Just work. A nine inch chef knives, I make them and I sell them, but like, I don't need that much knife for dinner tonight. Eight inch, eight inch chef knife. No problem. Oh. Perfect. Perfect size. Perfect size. You know size. those people that have those 12 inch ones? <laughs> I had a guy. It's like the, not well, handy you, to cook with. When they say, when they say, when they ask me what they usually use and the guy says to me, oh, you only use a 12 inch chef. You don't know what they're talking oh, about. Oh, God. It's All right, worst. so you so you figure out what you want me to write about. I would about. love that. I want to write an article, and you can be as brutally honest as possible. I'm not afraid. I'm glad I put you. I've been I've been waiting to do this for a long time. <laughs> I feel like I have something to offer. I know as a you writer. do. I know you do. As as a writer, yeah, and you have a lot a lot of expertise that I think people would like to learn about. This was my Julie. This was my Tony Bourdain, <laughs> like. Getting, you know, getting a little, you know, knowing somebody and kneeling oh, myself right. in. You, so you really want you know? to take down, huh? Well, I mean, I would like, it would be far more, I think, I mean, you tell me, but I feel like, a, not, it doesn't have to be like, you know, gonzo journalism, but I mean, I feel like a little bit of perspective from my end would be fine. I would love that. We could work on a, an angle that would be really funny. 
Julia Sexton, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. You heard her. Julia Sexton rules. What are you on Instagram these days? I'm on Julia Sexton. <laughs> Julia Sexton. At Julia Sexton. <laughs> at Julia Sexton. The best food writer who's the only food writer worth it. You damn. are so kind. True. Fun. We had a good time, right? Yeah. I we always, covered a lot I always of ground. do. Well, of course. You're gonna have you're gonna have you on more often because this is too much fun. I know. Guys, go follow Julia. Go get get yourself some of that uh uh, get Hudson edibles. Get uh, Westchester edibles. Edible Manhattan. Get Brooklyn edibles. Edible Brooklyn. Get New York edibles. Any edibles. All the edibles, and that is whatever edibles. And it's not about weed. Okay, that's it's about like that's what food. it sounded like when you said that. That's what it sounded yeah. like. So get yourself some of that, Julia. You are the best. It's always fun Thanks, talking Jeff. with you, and we'll get you on again. I had fun. Thanks. Have a great week, guys, and we'll see you next week. Thanks again, Julia. Thanks. Bye. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. 